What's happening, weirdos? Uh, Happy New Year. First episode of 2019. Pretty exciting, is it? I'm not a huge... Oh, it's a new... I used to be. I'd be like, oh, that's the first time I I took took a dump. (laughs) In 2019. Now I'm just... Every every moment's a, a, a new moment to start again. But who cares? It's fun. It's fun to take one collectively. So I'll say it. Happy New Year 2019. Here we are. And this is the first episode of the new year. And I'm so happy that it's Connor Habib, uh, one of the funniest and most interesting people I've talked to in a while and, and a great episode. Um, he is the host of a podcast called Against Everyone with Connor Habib. He's a sec, uh, sex worker. Sorry, I don't know why I said that wrong. He's, a, he's against sects of religion. No, he's a sex workers' rights activist, a lecturer, and he's been in porn for almost 10 years. So if this is our first um, adult film star interesting but he's so much more than that i mean we're, we're, we bear, we talk about that a little bit but there's so much interesting sex chat in here so much interesting god chat in here that uh, i think you guys are gonna love it i did want to mention up top that connor is just about to go to ireland to study anthropology and his tuition and the fee of his le- uh, relocation is uh completely crowdfunded crowdsourced what i'm saying is he has a patreon that i want to plug it's patreon.com slash Connor Habib, his travels to Ireland to uh, study, and his podcast is totally funded by Patreon. He, and you should check out his podcast. He's had wonderful guests like Moshe, Duncan, uh, James Adomian, uh, also wonderful journalists, occultists, philosophers, people who go to war zones and more. It's a great show. So we listen to Against Everyone with Connor Habib and support it and support his trip to Ireland. I think after you listen to this, there's a good chance you're going to want to throw them a couple bucks, even if it is just a couple bucks, literally, because if enough of us do it, it'll make a difference. Uh, so that's patreon.com slash Connor Habib or connorhabib.com for details. Um, I do want to get to it as quickly as possible. I literally just got back from a New Year's Day party with my showrunner, Judah, and no lie, I brought him. <laughs> do you do New Year's Day gifts? I did. I brought him a bag of cachava. Why? Well, I love it. And Judah and I were obsessed with maca root for a really long time. Give maca root, M-A-C-A root, a Google. Uh, it's a really interesting, energizing um, root. We actually make a joke about it on the, the new season of Crashing, which premieres January 20th on HBO, about how Incan warriors, I believe, would take it before battle. Um, we, we use it for different things. One of them is is like... Vitality, I guess is the code word people use for it. So I thought it was funny to bring my friend who loves maca some cachava because maca is one of the superfoods that's in it. Um, you guys have known this for a while. Cachava is uh, the newest Pete's pick. It is a superfood nutrition overload uh, powder. It's unbelievably fast and easy. I bought it to add to my smoothie, and then it just became my smoothie. So many of these um, drink mixes claim to be delicious, claim to be enough to just add to water, shake up, and drink, but they never are. Kachava is the first one I found that actually is because it has powdered coconut milk in it, which gives it a creamy, delicious taste, and just enough sweetness uh, that even Valerie, who I always kind of throw under the bus here, if that's even a bus to be thrown under, she doesn't really like these types of things that I love. She loves cachava. It's 100% plant-based. It's got 24 grams of protein, so it makes an amazing breakfast. Actually, I sometimes have it for lunch. Spoiler, sometimes have it for dinner. It's a wonderful meal replacement. Nine grams of fiber, 
6,000 milligrams of adaptogens, digestive support, it's gluten-free, it's soy-free, free of artificial sweeteners and preservatives. It's got 17 greens and veggies, that's why I travel with it, bring with me on the road. Uh, if I'm having a hands full day with baby Lee and I need to eat something healthy and fast, it's going to keep me full and is delicious at the same time. This is something that I literally no blender needed, throw it in a bottle, shake it up. Uh, it's like making formula for your baby, but it's for you. Eight super fruits, omega threes, chia, flax, cacao. And as I just mentioned, maca, um, it's sweet on its own, but sometimes I add strawberries to it. Makes you feel amazing. It's like a meal in a pill. Um, but better because it's chocolate flavored, so you actually get to enjoy it. Or you get vanilla, or get one of both, mix them together. That's what I do. Tastes like an Oreo. You can get 20% off your order of Kachava and find out why it's a Pete's pick. Go to kachavacachava.com slash weird, and you will get 20% off your order and see why I love it so much. I hope you like it. Um, the other Pete's pick that I want to mention this week is Charlotte's Web Hemp oil. I also swear uh, swear by this product. I take it every single day, especially when I'm under a lot of stress or if I'm feeling a lot of body uh, fatigue or, or just feeling a little bit overwhelmed with the world. I also take it sometimes before social situations. It has an anxiety lowering quality for me. What is it? It's hemp oil. That sounds like it's uh, going to get you stoned. It's made from the hemp plant, but they use science to remove the THC, which is what gets you stoned, and leave the body and brain beneficial CBD in there. It just gives me a happy, healthy glow. It gives me an ease. It helps me relax. I take it when I travel. As I mentioned, I take it before social situations. I take it before I write. It just kind of helps my brain relax into itself, worry a little bit less, helps me uh, stress a little bit less, can help me sleep. But it, mostly, it, it makes me a little bit, I always say this, but it makes me a little bit faster to smile and laugh. Uh, when I'm on my set, when I'm on my set, when I'm on set shooting Crashing, uh, they have it in my makeup bag. I call it my happy juice. I say, can I please have my happy juice? Especially if I'm just feeling the overwhelm of a long day. Just a couple drops, literally a couple drops of the Everyday Advanced mint chocolate flavor. Um, the, the Everyday Advanced is a little bit more expensive, but that bottle will last you a very, very long time because literally one or two drops of it is enough to feel that that uh, boost in contentment and ease that I, I love and swear by. But it doesn't. Uh, there's no stoned effect. You can read, you can work, you can function, and that is why I love it. Uh, so go to CW, as in Charlotte's Web, cwhemp.com slash weird, and use promo code KEEPITCRISPY, and you'll get 10% off your order. They also have amazing balms that I've been using. If you have a sore muscle, you want to rub some CBD into there, really helps those aches and pains go away. Sometimes I put it on my forehead when I have a headache. Feels amazing. Try any of their products. I, I really have tried almost all of them and swear by all of them that I have tried. Get into it. Try Pete's Pick. Always, this, this podcast is free. It'll always be free. But if you want to show your support, uh, the easiest way is to buy a Pete's Pick. And hopefully you also love it. Uh, Crashing comes back January 20th. I'm going to be at Largo doing stand-up with friends on January 31st and February 27th at my favorite place to perform, Largo in Los Angeles, largo-la.com for tickets. And be sure to support Connor's uh, Patreon if you, uh, if you feel inclined. He's very, very interesting. I think you're about to see um, what a stimulating and interesting conversation we had and throw him a couple bucks as he's on his journey to continue learning and teaching and uh, blossoming. I'm going to say blossoming. All right.
Val's not here to say get into it. I'm, I'm going to say it. Get into it. Happy New Year, guys. Enjoy. It's a sauna, bro. 99. <laughs> it's so funny. So many of the podcasts are starting with sauna chat. Oh, really? You sauna, bro? <laughs> I like sauna. I mean, everybody likes a sauna. Yeah. Is that true? I don't know if that's true. Anyway, we're saying that we're talking about... We're already recording. Oh, yeah. I love little downbeats. And we're talking about how we're similarly aged. We are. And even though it doesn't matter, I live near a very good old school bookstore. Yeah, it's awesome. And I want to do a book reading or signing at a bookstore. And we were saying that that doesn't mean anything anymore. Like it won't really like help sales to do a, a local yeah. neighborhood book signing. But because we're the same age, that matters. Yeah, it like, helps that's the, the bookstore. And there's some weird respectability. Yeah, it's kind of you're a, a guy in a bookstore. Yeah, so like self-publishing versus like getting a publisher. Yeah, like you can actually probably, especially for someone like you, make more <laughs> make money more. ultimately self-publishing. You know? Oh my goodness, I've never considered that. But but like no one wants to self-publish if you can like get the if you. Were you Writing a movie, no, no offense. I have friends that self-publish. Yeah, me things too. And, me and too. Rob Bell self-publishes things, and so there. But there is a thing again, being similarly aged, where like if you want to kind of like establish that somebody's struggling, you have them go like, "I have a book," and you're like, "Oh wow!" And they're like, "It's self-published." Oh. Like that's how it, I'm, not, I'm not saying anymore. <laughs> right. Right. That's how it was like in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, it it's was like, like, and they're always like, "New idea press," or like so they always have like really bad. Oh no! <laughs> Publisher names. Are, have you ever done a book? Because you're a man of the of the mind. Do you know it's crazy? I've had such a journey with. With publishing, what if so, you like I self-published? I What's that? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I self-published and uh, I've started on the wrong foot. Oh, I'm yeah. so sorry. No, I, I've thought about it. I mean, because f- I've had such horrible experiences with the publishing industry so far. So, I wrote a book. What is, what is that? Years ago, tell me that for before I had an agent or anything for a small independent press, and it was all about sex. They wanted me to Do write a book blanket? that was about no. <laughs> Cool. It's so cozy in here. It I don't think cozy. people understand. It's like how a sleepover. Cozy it is. I'm wearing yeah. PJs. Um, I've got my Maharaji blanket. <laughs> so um, I'm good to go. Stadis, are you cold, buddy? You're good. We're, we're you so get, should we get in the sauna? <laughs> <laughs> that has a lot of gay sex connotations, dude. For me, right? Though. Yeah. So it's also wood. Uh huh. Like for me, gay sex, like a wooden circular <laughs> barrel style hot tub in the '70s. Got Maybe it. not gay sex, just swingers. Yeah, that's more like that's yeah, that's more like cheesy swingers. Sauna is yeah. like where like a YMCA kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah, or that's a steam room. A shower, yeah, exactly. A rest area. There's I mean, it goes places. all the way back. Really, anywhere rest where area. like <laughs> men's <laughs> dicks are out next to each other. But yeah. it goes back to like I have to imagine ancient Greece. People are sauning anywhere where naked dudes are hanging out. You know, every time I feel, every time I have sex in a sauna, I say this is classic because it reminds me of ancient Greece. So it was terrible. I have to imagine that might be better. <laughs> The more slippery things is the better. Yeah, like whenever we're in a steam room, I'm like, man, your cog looks so statuesque right now. <laughs> and lube. Yes, exactly. Self-lube. <laughs> Sweat is lube that you don't have to buy. I, Sorry, I big of, lube. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be shot tomorrow but, by big lube, by slippery bullet. <laughs> it, goes, it goes through me. Yeah, exactly. Wow, you don't that feel was a, a well-lubed bullet. Yeah, exactly. But it didn't, I, you know, going in, it felt fine. <laughs> I was all nervous about being shot, but totally. it was fine. Yeah. But like hot tub sex, everything washes away. So sauna sex, I have to imagine, is well, better. Well, you can't really feel like underwater sex. Like it's not, you're not as sensitized either. It <laughs> seems like it would be really sexy, but it's not. Well, you're already in a hot, moist place. Yeah, sorry, fish. I, that doesn't work. 
<laughs> fish are asexual. Are they? Yeah, they, well, they just, like, drop sperm their, out there. That's right. Yeah. That's why. They would be fucking each other, but because they're already in a wet place. Yeah. <laughs> a, deep, a deep, hot, wet place. Sometimes hot. They just leave piles of eggs and fish are like, I guess I like eggs. <laughs> it would be Imagine if I was that, like, you know what so I love exciting. about my wife's ovum? I love yeah. my wife's ovum. <laughs> like you just walk, you like, yeah, complaining about not having a lot of sex and then one day you come home and she's done you the favor of leaving some eggs around That's the house. how you know. Yeah. That's enthusiastic yeah. consent. Yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> the eggs are that's on the table. Sign. Yeah. That's but then a, if yes. you don't want to like jizz on them, then that's, right. that's a real problem. Man, fish. Yeah. We could learn from fish. I, we really could. Something. <laughs> the banned fish is so what So the... So, so the... <laughs> Yeah, sorry. You're yes, public- and like the band fish, we went on forever. Ah, with that, that was a long solo. It really was. <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, I wrote a book about sex for a small independent publisher that was like a really kind of edgy publisher back in the day. And what was it called? They, um, the book. I'm not. Oh, what was the book called? It was called Rethinking Sex. And uh-huh. so it was all this stuff about sex, like just a completely new vision of like. Was it like it re colon thinking sex? No, it wasn't that academic. <laughs> re yeah. Yeah, that'd thinking be great. sex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so I wrote it. I wrote the whole thing. I had you the did? contract. I got, you know, um, half of a really small advance for it. And then the editor was, she was so hostile, like so hostile. She was like a second wave, like anti-porn, anti-sex work feminist. What does feminist. second wave mean? So second wave is like this era of feminism that there's a lot of good things about it, but there's also a lot of... Oh, second wave feminism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's okay. I'm learning. Yeah. Um, and then... Are those your notes? I'm going to take notes. That's long, oh, so say, first wave of me. <laughs> Let's see who yeah, the last person was. Drums, rhythm, timing. Oh, this was uh, Fred Armisen. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm glad oh, I get go. to be on the other you can side. Be on the, the back of Fred yeah. Armisen's sex joke, butt to butt. <laughs> yeah. So um, I yeah. So I wrote the whole book. She was very hostile. She sent me notes that said stuff like, "I don't care if this is true or not. I'm not printing it." Um, she was. Was like, it like a? Was she it wrote how a graphic dare you? Story? No, it was. She wrote how. Dare she you? did. She wrote how dare you? There was. There was a whole like. Oh, dude, I just got my notes from my book from uh-huh. my publisher, and if he wrote how dare you, <laughs> I think you'd have to walk away. You totally. say, please let me know where to send the advance. <laughs> Which is especially weird since you're self-publishing. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a standard joke. Right. <laughs> it's like my parents were assholes. I was homeschooled. Uh, <laughs> right. That's right. No, I, well, I, it was it, like she wrote something like what was how I can't dare remember you exactly. On? Yeah, the words were not how dare you, but it was like it. It was something like how could you? I don't know. It, it was year. It was now wow. like 2013 when it happened. And I had such high hopes for this book. I was so excited. And uh, well, it was because I was writing about how I, you, I referenced this sociologist who did this huge study about kids who had been abused when they were, I think this is what it was about, who had been sexually abused and how she wrote a book called The Trauma Myth about how it's really violating. It's really horrible. But to use the word trauma is not appropriate because something else happens. And by looking at the something else that happens, you actually have a better chance of healing People have gone through that, and you have a better chance of, you know, having people report what happened to them. What and she is was it pissed. If it, if it, yeah, that's interesting. <clears throat> now, I don't want to. That's not your book, but yeah. I am interested in that idea. What yeah. if it's not trauma? What is it? So okay. So first of all, I want to say for some kids it is trauma, right? Like, be, but for most kids who are um, sexually abused, it's not physically forcibly violent in yeah. the way that we imagine it. Most kids have experiences that are 
you know, sometimes even like as a bodily sensation feels pleasurable to them. I, I've heard that, that therapists yeah. have to say, even if you enjoyed it, exactly. that doesn't mean it was okay. Like you yes. kind of have to... Obviously, it's not okay. Both of us, we agree there. But sometimes the victim has to be told, like, it's okay. Sometimes people fall in love with their abusers. Right, totally. They they do that on Transparent. It's like Jay Duplass's character is uh-huh. with a, a much, much older woman. And it's like, he was in love with her. And people are like, no, you were raped. And, and they sort of, like everything on that show, they address the complexity. Right. So it's not like a, an alleyway rape situation yeah and usually it's someone that you know right? right so if you're a kid and it happens to somebody that you know so the entire narrative of how that takes place if you're a kid think about it, it's like tell someone you trust that this happened well it was somebody that you trust right. probably also probably you didn't even know that there was anything wrong then you get older and what happens is there's a reconfiguration where you're like Oh, that was really confusing. That screwed me up in a lot of ways. That messed up my ability to relate to other people. Um, and that can have really profound, a really profound impact on kids. And also just getting kids to, you know, have their bodies do things that they're not able to do or like bringing them into that they're realm. They're sort of, well, they're pre puberty. Yeah, yeah. Especially, in, dudes, especially in pre puberty. Like yeah. boys aren't. <clears throat> Not to be graphic, where they're not coming yet. Yeah, no, but you can get you can get hard as a kid. Right, like, you can get erections as a fetus. So it's like right. <laughs> you, I was rock that, hard as a yeah. fetus. <laughs> it was rather baby came, rather painful when doctor, you came out. <laughs> there was a brrr as I came out, like the thing on the back of the door. <laughs> ah, doorstop. <laughs> they called me doorstop Holmes. Everybody was very impressed. They put yeah. a flag on it. It was weird, man. Um, but okay, yeah, I'm just trying to make jokes because what we're talking about is very heavy. It's hilarious. It's heavy. Yeah, yeah. It's, no, it's heavy yeah. stuff. So, <laughs> so anyway, she was, she was just pissed off about – she was pissed off about that, that I had cited this sociological study by Susan Clancy who wrote a book called The Trauma How Myth. could she be mad about that? <clears throat> is that she, book like – not recognized as valid or something? No, is it, it is recognized as valid, but she was exiled like when it came out. I mean, she was just, she went to South America. Was she abused? After it came out because everybody was pissed was off. Abused. I don't think she was. Um, I don't think she was, but I think the you know, the big thing is like. Isn't that weird that I'm like, if you're going to write that book, yeah. you better be abused. Isn't that weird how just <laughs> right. as mammals, we're like, you can only, yeah. you can only talk about that. I've told this story before, but I took a girl to a comedy show and Jim Norton was telling jokes about 9 11. She's like, you can only do that joke if you're from New York and you lived in New York when 9 11 happened. Like, really? But I, I, first of all, that's crazy because she was heckling. But it's also just like, we have that in our brains where it's like, like you wouldn't want me to write a book about something that hadn't happened to me, I suppose. Unless she's a therapist, though. She's a sociologist, she, yeah. Did she deal with these uh, people? Like people yeah, I mean, she talked She talked to them about Again, what their I mean, experiences were. I'm interviewing you about this woman's book. I'm yeah, <laughs> no, that's all right. I think it's actually a really important concept that needs to be brought into our culture. More, I thought you sure. were going to say that, that um, there's a myth that boys that are abused become gay. Oh no! Is that that's is isn't that a thing? Like I mean, I think people, people like... certainly think that for yeah. sure. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, I I don't think it's fair to discount social and childhood factors as to people's right. sexuality. Like, right. of course, whatever happens, whatever you sexually, happens to you as a child gonna, affects you. Whatever as an adult. happens to you sexually is going to affect of course. you. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that doesn't mean it'll make you gay, though. You know, absolutely. It's like the big myth about um, sex workers having. Uh, 
are yeah, more likely myths. to yeah more likely Dude, to be you, I wrote down myths. myths. <laughs> I want you to do some myth busting. Oh uh, yeah, so like <laughs> the idea that sex workers are more likely to have been abused as kids is not true than any other pr- profession. It's just like any other profession. Right. It's the same, but we have this like huge idea that somehow, you know, and you then must it, be damaged. I mean, yes. I can't wait to talk about this with okay, you. Okay, good. Like, <laughs> I'm so raised puritanical and like <laughs> if you want to talk to that part of me, you know, which isn't me. I'm saying that part of me. You go yeah. like, well, sex is like something we do, but it's sort of wrong. Like that's like this mm. belief that I feel like a lot of people. So if you're a sex worker, something must have happened to you right, yeah. that damaged you that made like it's not like I suppose we could look at a massage therapist or somebody that does something that's, you know, I'm not saying it's erotic, but it's certainly body work. Mm-hmm. Nobody's like, well, they were probably massaged as a kid. <laughs> right. You know, there's nothing. Or going like on the there. biggest suicide rate is like doctors and dentists, right? So, like, interesting. No one's like, what happened to you as a kid that you became like. <laughs> That you dentist. went into this high risk, and now profession. you're shoving your gloved hands into somebody's Gloved. mouth. You know, yeah, interesting. Yeah. But you wanted to. I saw um, an interview with you where you talked about wanting to be um, a, a porn star. Is that? The, I, yeah. I want to use the right terms yeah. here. Constellation is fine as well. Constellation. Yeah. What does that mean? Porn constellation. It's a That's porn so star. second no, wave. Just, I don't yeah, know. No, I don't know kidding. what you're saying. Yeah, right now. Yeah. Constellation means what? No, I was just joking. I know you are, but yeah, I want like to get the joke. As a group of stars, like I'm more than just a star. That oh was the joke. my yeah. god. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Can yeah. I relate to you in a weird way? I don't like I've, being called. This is <laughs> so stupid, too. but I yeah. just love common ground. I don't like being called a comic. I'm like, I'm a comedian. I do anything that's funny. I see. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. I know it's not quite no, the same. No, I get it. Sure. But I'm like, don't call me a comic. Comic is like, I work for Chicken Fingers. and like, uh, you know, right. like, <laughs> like, I know the bartenders at all yeah, the clubs. Yeah. Really well. Did it always bother you? I just never wanted to be in a in a box. When I started, nothing would have pleased me more than for someone to call me a right. comic. Yeah, right. But then when you start realizing yeah. that you like doing sketch, or you like doing improv, or you like acting, or you like Got writing, it. you're like, I just want to be a comedian. But isn't it weird that the labels that we even give ourselves uh-huh. can either be self-liberating or self-limiting? Well, here it's such a problem, right? Like if you're doing improv and then <laughs> stand up, you know what I mean? Like the, those divisions are so intense. No, it's true. And then you want to do like a podcast, but maybe it has some political content, but right. you're funny. Right. Like, then but you're I, a pundit. You I know? can't it's, imagine because people go, well, you're a porn star. I yeah. mean, that happened to you when you wanted to speak at that college. They're like, well, he's a porn star. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think you do. It happened to you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, so first of all, porn is like, you know, but do we like I'm, the word porn? Like cops being called cops? I like the word porn. Yeah. We're okay. With I think, porn. I, I think it's great. I mean, adult performer sounds like someone like juggling dildos. And at sex a worker sounds like, like you. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but porn, yeah, just short for pornography, obviously. Yeah. Star. Uh, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Keep going. You were going to say sex work or something about sex work. Yeah, if you say, thank you. Yeah. Oh, you have your own podcast, I don't you? <laughs> Go ahead and plug it. Go ahead and plug it, Con. Go ahead. Okay, so I know, I think you were going to ask about the term sex work. If workers. I say you're a sex worker, yeah. I'm assuming you're having, um, you know, Agreed upon sex for money, yeah. yeah, or or some sort of relief massage that involves a happy ending. Well, I think sex worker is good a good term. Like right now, people use the term a lot because they want to talk about sex work in terms of labor rights. So using the word worker in there is helpful. Although I also see that there's a little problem in that because people can 
then just do the respectability politics of only talking about labor rights and not talking about or thinking about sex at all. Oh, so I think that that becomes a problem. But it's better. You need both. But it's better. Yes, you definitely need both. But it's better at least if we're working on the labor rights for sex workers. You know, talk about, well, talk about whatever you want. But okay. I'm interested in that. I understand the labor rights. What do you think needs to be included in the conversation when we say yeah. the sex part? Oh, the sex part. So I um, understand that you want to be like these people need health insurance. They need yes. uh, fair pay. Yeah, it's the same thing as or, or you at least need you you be able, you need to be able to unionize as a freelancers union. You need to be able to have it decriminalized rather than legalized because the state is not people get confused about that all the time they say they want legalization for sex work like who aren't sex workers but all sex workers want decriminalization so it's just like anything else so it's not like everything is tightly regulated by the state then it would be like i mean think about how inept politicians are at being able to make laws about sex work we saw this with the porn industry here in la where they tried to like Enforce well, and they did enforce the condom a condom thing? law. Yeah. When all the porn stars were like, "Look, our testing system is better than what you, than what you think it is." We have. You, you mean know, testing like group, like seeing what people like to watch? No, no, no. I mean our oh, uh, testing, S- STI testing. testing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so showbiz. I was like, yeah. you mean focus groups? <laughs> yeah, they show focus groups. <laughs> yeah, you have the red button and the green button. And the exactly. guy puts a condom on and he pushes the red button. No, and no, no. I didn't like the ending of that one. Yeah. I remember yeah. people had very strong opinions about <laughs> condoms. I remember. Did you, Stotts? I remember being like, it's a fantasy and I don't. <laughs> Like, right. if you're having, like, a sex dream, nobody's rolling on a condom. Right. No. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. I, I think, obviously, wear condoms. Condoms are great. I wore condoms. I'm pro-condom. I'm just yeah. saying, if when you're looking at a fantasy, you, you, I would rather have good testing. Yeah. And you're saying the testing is good. Well, all I'm <laughs> the, the bottom line for that is that, like, the workers were not being listened to in that case. So, yeah. it's like the work... and. And the politicians who made the laws, who legislate, they and the voters also, but really this whole sort of legal wrangling, they thought that they knew better than the workers, right? Mm. And so that's – think about the group of people who can never talk about sex or their sexual encounters ever trying to make laws to regulate people who have sex – who perform sex Hilarious. for a living. You know, it's like they're literally the worst people to that's make That's how I felt about sex. my in-laws, my first marriage that were very <laughs> anti-gay marriage. And I was like, you don't know a gay person. These, right. This yeah, is right. like exactly. the Christian right. Right, making laws for. Of course, there are. We know that there are gay people in the Christian right. Of course, uh-huh. famously, uh-huh. but they're not my mother-in-law. <laughs> yes. We don't know. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. don't know. <laughs> uh, okay, so we were talking about you writing the book, and then the trauma oh gosh, theory. Yeah. So, so much. And the sex workers don't. That's the myth that you busted. So, was you the, asked me about the sex part? What is the mm. what is the sex thing? So, for oh, me. Yeah. Um, and I wish more people were talking about it like this. I have some people I can talk about it with, but, um, like sex has to be completely like I, I spend, I would say 85% of my time as a sort of public sexual figure talk about sex. I mean, I haven't made porn in a year as you can tell by this giant. Oh really? (laughs) But people love all types. Yeah, they do. (laughs) I mean, it's working out well for me in my personal life. I get offended that a lot of the women I like, it'll say like, XXL girls are like uh, chubbies and I'm uh, like she's fine yeah yeah right 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 or like my friends who are 30 and they can only do MILF porn now you, you know did, what I mean I'm it's sure just, you did listen to the butterfly effect oh yeah and I they did. were talking about yeah the, he quotes me in it yeah does he yeah yeah John John uh, he consulted with John a lot for his no porn shit. related projects the butterfly He's effect awesome. for people that don't know I think is a must listen yeah. about the porn industry about uh, paying people and how what's his name Julian 
yeah. the guy who kind of figured out Pornhub. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, figured out how to like steal. Yeah. Con- but this yeah. kind of goes into like, you couldn't do that for TV and film. They stopped that. But because it's porn, people are like, yeah, you know totally, what I mean? Totally. There's so much self-hate and shame. Yeah, and there's so much mystification around how it works that nobody can really talk about. So, yeah. Um, You're talking about and, John, and John is... John is really awesome. That's actually one of the only, maybe the only thing about porn by an outsider that's good. Uh-huh. I mean, I just, there's almost nothing. So he really did a good job on that. But he, um, I, I remember what I was going to say. He talked about the gap. A girl can either be like a teenager right, or right. a MILF. Yeah. So like when they're when she's like twenty eight, yeah, they're just like, well, see you when you're thirty four, yeah, or whatever it is, and it's like no one, so <laughs> it's like being a gymnast, weird. right? Like yeah. get out of here, grandma, you just it turned is. fifteen, dude. Yeah. yeah, help me realize that I sort of feel the same way about the Olympics as I do about <laughs> porn, and I'm not joking. I'm like, you have someone like barking orders at you, getting you up, keeping you in shape. Oh, right, yeah, right. There's weird. Uh, Moves is super athletic, and is athletic, and and then there's a time when you're no longer relevant, yeah. And of course, there's like uh Greg Luganus, and so even the sexuality gets into the Olympics sometimes, into the pool, yeah. And it would go into so, um, so what was I saying now? Oh, so the sex part was that, yeah, yeah. like I spend probably 85% of my time talking about stuff, you know, talking about sex and sexuality, doing activism to convince people that sex is no big deal, Mm. um. Meaning, like, it's just like anything else. It's constitutive of being human. So, you like, we don't, we literally don't exist without it. It's part of us just like eating, talking, all that. I was going to say, is it more like eating a sandwich or is it more like playing tennis? I think it's more like having a conversation. So, like, I'll come back to that in a second. But then you have to go through that, that total normalization, neutralizing of sex, and then you can see the things that are distinct and interesting about it. But until you go through that first part, you don't really have a right to talk about the second part. Like, oh, it, you have to sort of reduce it down to something that's really no big deal at all. It's not really even special or even in some ways interesting. And then you can start thinking about why it is interesting. That's interesting because <clears throat> someone raising a daughter, we're like, what are we going to tell baby Leela about sex? And obviously uh, I want to be very positive and not give her the baggage that i that i was given through my church and yeah whatever. it wasn't really my it wasn't my parents my dad was always like you sink the bismarck yet peter uh-huh. which i don't even know what it means but it's a submarine and it looked like a dick so it's like did you submerge the submarine in what in world a war watery two? Oh, I'm grave sorry. yeah yeah uh, vaginas are watery graves yeah exactly <laughs> and I, my dick is a submarine <laughs> and he remembers that from when i was born yeah so my parents and my mom was not anti-sex, but I, 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 so you're thinking, okay, and I'd really love for you to unpack this. Okay. I'm thinking, okay, well, you tell her sort of like the modern version of prudence, which is sex is special. Uh, so I'm going against what you just yeah, yeah. said. And I know that I'm just like, <laughs> sex is a gift. It's a special thing that you share with people that you care about. And, and so, but even there, there are hints of so don't be a trollop, mm-hmm. right? So there is some sex shame, even in my. Oh, we haven't done this yet. She won't. We won't have this conversation for, till tomorrow. Till tomorrow <laughs> afternoon in Goo Goo Gaga's. <laughs> but even I, I'm realizing my own sort of agenda in saying that it might kind of sound a little bit woke. But I'm really saying like, well, don't. But then you don't want her to get pregnant. There's always that sort of thing. Well, you know, I, are you friends with Moshe Kasher? Yeah. Too? Okay. So Moshe and I are friends, and he and he's been on my show, and we talked about his 
crazy sex positive upbringing hundreds, and how, hundreds of people yes <laughs> and how that, like that caused its own set of problems right? right so you can't like do one extreme or the other that's what i mean is you, you know? don't want any i wouldn't want her eating a thousand sandwiches either. yeah yeah you know what i'm saying so <laughs> if if sex is a sandwich and i think that or, or a conversation what if sandwiches were her favorite thing in the entire world then you'd be like eat as many sandwiches as you want and then it's just her brain chemistry like loves sandwiches See, maybe not her brain chemistry but just her just her personhood like i don't think there's any such thing as too much sex it's completely individualized right i mean some people think that having five sex partners is too in their entire life is too much some people think that having three thousand in you know a few years is not enough like yeah everybody is it's this is what i say about sex my line that i card out all the time which was the first line of that book that never came out was if you ever want to know i'm gonna get it wrong but it was, if you ever <laughs> even though i say it differently every time so i want to hear it yeah if you ever want to know today. how somebody feels about freedom start talking about sex and the reason why is because I'm, is, I'm gonna buy your book good <laughs> <laughs> printing press montage <laughs> so sex is the most individualized thing about people it is the most individualized it's a nexus of all these different factors our body shape our family, where we grew up. And the reason why it's even more so than something like looking at a painting is because it also brings in all the complexity of another human being or other human beings whenever you do it. So you have all these things that are working in you. It's very... It's uh, a piece of art you have to make with somebody else. It's like a collaboration. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or other people, right? Other or a collective. Yeah. Look, I or get yourself. it. You're or fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, it's also yourself, right? It's also the way your imagination flows and works through you because masturbation is sex. I mean, thinking about people... And I've had a, a lot, lot of sex. sex. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? And, and thinking about people, say we walk through the world making pornography every day. This is one of the reasons why talking about banning porn is the stupidest thing in the world our imaginations are pornographic we look at people we're attracted to them we're aroused by them we're aroused by things we're aroused by cues right, right. you know I mean it's I just that so book, strange Pornified they talk about the, I, I don't know if that was even a popular book yeah but they talked about people that are like attracted to newscasters just like the way they do the news yeah. can be like arousing and I get that Pornified by Gail Dines Oh, shit. Is that the one you read? I think. Yeah, she's a horrible person. Really? Yeah, I mean, she just makes up shit all the Didn't time. Didn't finish it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she, I mean, she makes up a lot of evidence. She's done a really? lot to hurt sex workers. Yeah, and she also, there are all these interviews with her where she's describing the porn she watches and how much she objects to it, where she's like, and then the man takes the fuckable woman and shoves her head in the toilet, and I just saw that in the porn, and I was on the ground writhing, rolling around in pain. I'm like, girl, you're you're coming like you're having an orgasm that's and, an orgasm uh, yes and that's why people <laughs> like her hate like they, they they stay in this place of hating porn performers and sex workers because they eroticize hating it oh, so they can't that, ever let go of it dude, because it's part I, of their identity valerie and i were both raised religious uh-huh. so she relates to this it's one of the weird i've said on the podcast before so it's not that bad um my dumb Christian puritanical sex shame brain, part of what I like about porn is that they did it, mm-hmm. is that they allow – but this is the fucked up part. It's, there's almost part of me that's like you allowed this to happen. Like you you knew there were cameras and you uh, knew people uh-huh. were going to jerk off to this. And that – you know, it seems like – you know, that's like first base as far as perversions go. It's not that crazy. <laughs> but it is right. the Christian fan. And I think that's like a very uh, – another thing I read in Pornified was that like – 
youth pastor conferences back before the internet, porn sales would go through the roof in the hotel. And I, I would imagine that a lot of my people are going like, Ooh, and you knew, you knew you were going to get naked. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. cause we're so ashamed totally. of it and we keep it so hidden that somebody being like, I gotta be me. And they're just fucking on camera. Yeah. The fact, so it's, it's, bigger than the sum of its parts is bigger than the dick and the toilet or whatever you're looking at. <laughs> it's that they were like, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. You're like, Ooh, to- what's it feel like to be so free? <laughs> to- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. It's unbearable. It's unbearable, right? Which totally. Part? No, the whole thing is just unbearable. That's why it's so arousing. It's like, that's why it explodes. And like, a, well, you know, who, like, and so- you're also projecting yourself into it. You're like, totally. I'm the guy I'm being filmed. I'm selling sex. Like, uh, that was a big porn epiphany for me was that you're considering not only what the man feels like, but what the woman feels yeah. like. Well, I mean, that's a, that's the thing that all straight people should think about when they Dude. watch porn. It's like, you're want like, no, bro, like I love porn. I'm not gay, but I just love watching like a guy's butt just like thrust again and again with a huge, huge dick just jizzing all over the yeah. place. Okay. You that's, know, like it, it's well, something I, I also think thought about. you were going to go like dick preference is an interesting thing and you're like I want a big dick and it's like well why because uh-huh. you're imagining what it must feel like for the woman to receive yeah. a big dick so you're having this sort of like third way thinking yeah. it's not just going I'm the guy and this is my fantasy you're going like well a big dick probably feels this way to this woman yes and that means in some part of your brain, you're imagining what it feels like to be a woman. I'm not saying, let's not label it as gay or straight or whatever, but it's not traditional meat and potatoes, red, white, and blue straight. <laughs> right. You're going like, right. it must feel amazing on our clitoris. Like, what are you doing right now? And forget about VR. Mm. Once we're allowed to like put on helmets and be a woman, like, are, are people going to think that that's gay? Right. I don't yeah, know. I don't think, I mean, I think, I think like, so just, I don't think it's about gay or straight either. It's about something that troubles both those like, terms right so you're talking about it's like yeah you're inhabiting the woman you're inhabiting the man you're inhabiting that act it's the same thing when you're jealous of your partner it's like so when people think it and this is the same move it's like you think about your uh your wife or your boyfriend or whatever fucking someone else and you're like you you found out you know that they had sex with someone else and you're like did he come did he tell you he loved you did he suck on your tits like whatever right, it is right. like you want every detail because there's an unbearable eroticism to it so one of the best ways you think to- you're kind of turned on by oh it. i think it's more than kind of i think it, it's <laughs> you're fine it's the fa- it's the fantasy you're that's over why- the fence aren't you yeah <laughs> well that's why i, yeah. I mean that in the good way yeah yeah but that's why but you sex is so complicated we're over here and i'm like no i eat grass and i, I eat lay in the sun <laughs> and you're like you're the sheep that jumped over the huge yeah, right, fence right. And you're like, it's so much weirder. <laughs> and I'm like looking at what all you all are doing. And I'm like, that's odd. You know, but you, you are putting remember? a lot of constraints because sexuality is so wild. Yes. And colorful and strange. It's not bad, strange. Just kind of like eclectic. We like to put it in containers because we're like, we, uh, it's almost like maybe we're overwhelmed or we just want to yeah. think about it in simple terms so we can go about being accountants. I don't know what it is. Well, I think that there's a lot of reasons historically why that's happened, but I will just say about like the jealousy thing real quickly yeah, please. is like, this is a basic lesson of psychoanalysis. So our, our mutual friend, Peter Rollins, like investigates yeah, I texted him. Oh, you did? I was like, what should I ask him about? Uh, <laughs> and he said, you will get to it. He said me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, he so, said it will be fascinating, and it already is. Yeah, we, could, we could end now, and people would be like, "That was a great <laughs> episode." I feel very uncomfortable. So, just yeah, feel good. So, so Peter, um, so Peter investigates psychoanalysis, and I just brought him up just to sort of name check a mutual friend. But one of the things that's so interesting about psychoanalysis is like 
you're fantasizing. Like you have to call the obsessive imaging of your partner having sex with another person that is a fantasy why do you keep recapitulating it over in your head again and again and again and again it might be an unpleasant fantasy but that's the real trick with like if you want to have an open relationship or if you would want to move there is you understand that it's erotic and if you can just even the unpleasant one is erotic yes exactly so you flip that switch level right there yeah and one of the best ways to do that with your partner is to masturbate with them and like talk about situations like that oh, in a way that's completely safe and completely bound. And I mean, you might not ever even want to do it, right? Yeah. But it opens, you know, opens, loosens well, things up a, a little bit. was there a talk that, that this sounds stupid? So, oh, you went to go get them. Oh, yeah, I love, I love Go Get Him. Yeah. That's our neighborhood place, man. We can't go there without running into Moshe or Jamie Lee or someone. Oh, like, really? It's so oh, fun for yeah, us. it's awesome. We're like, oh, I love our neighborhood. I went the one in, I used to live in Larchmont. I lived in Larchmont for like four and a half years, and that's the one I would go to. Oh, I love it. That was really great. What were, we, what were you just saying? Um, we were talking about oh, masturbating. Uh, I, there was a part, there was an article written by the pornified woman who I love. I'm just kidding. Uh, about <laughs> And by the way, I'm now not so sure. I think maybe Gail Dines wrote Porn Land. Are you going to uh, look that up for us? Yeah, but Pornified also it. sounds like a piece of shit, but go ahead. <laughs> it wasn't very good. It wasn't very You know what I was doing, though, was I was reading books trying to reconcile my faith. This was when I was a uh, Christian. Uh-huh. My faith with yeah. my eroticism. Yeah, with your reality. With my reality. <laughs> Dude, oh, I've said dude a lot. I gotta stop saying dude so much. But anyway, I remember reading an article about they were saying that uh, polyamorous people or open relationship people might have. They were hypothesizing might have something in their brain. There might be something. Mm. I, I don't know. I'm going to be out of my depth here, so I'm going to say a gene, even though it might not mm. be a gene. But they're like a gene in their brain that's more open to it. And I was like, I'm not open. I, I'm not really. There was a time when Val and I were long distance, and so I was having sex with other people, and she might have been and uh, would meet up, and so that was kind of open, but it was long distance, so a little bit different. But um, I remember th- wondering if I had that gene because I was okay with that situation, uh-huh. but then like you know, yeah, well, I would it was say- possible for me to be not repulsed by she would tell me some story of sex and i would notice that i wasn't repulsed you weren't you weren't yeah because i because i love her yeah you know what the you want the mantra you want your partner to feel good the mantra of our relationship is i want good for you yeah so she'd tell me some story some sex story and i'd be like fucking this was a big breakthrough in our relationship i was like if you and i are really good friends and i'm married to val so it's just the only thing that's different is we're really good friends Uh (laughs) and then i had some weird sex thing i would tell you Let's say I felt really guilty that it was amazing uh-huh. and I loved it. The example I always give was I was in Spain. I was drinking red wine. There was a classical guitar concert and we made love in the tall grass. <laughs> and it was incredible. And I knew it was just like a one-time thing, but it was like, you know, I just couldn't I couldn't help it. But the weird part was I feel guilty and it was the best thing in my life. So <laughs> right. I'm going to tell you, my guy friend, that was incredible. You should have seen it. It was like a it was like a novella, uh-huh. but I wouldn't tell my wife because we were playing this game of fidelity, and even totally. though she loves me and she wants me to have, so we started when we were early on dating. It's like I want good for you. We're not open. I'm not, but we're psychologically open. Yeah, yeah. meaning if that happened, I would like to think that my love would trump any sort of western Mm. fidelity definition again even though we're just not i don't know if we're interested enough in sex to like constantly do the the check checkbook balancing that Uh it might require 
but there's that, so much. There's tell so, me everything. Yeah, there's so much. There's so much. Okay. <laughs> so the, the first thing is people should know that every relationship you have with another person is your relationship. You get to do it however the fuck you want, right? And I'm not telling you you have to get over every social construct or whatever. I'm just saying it's yours. Like, figure it out. What, what right. brings you closer together? That's a very basic thing. The second thing is with monogamy and the gene and all that shit you're talking about, like, this is the way I say it. It's like monogamy is the most widespread perversion in the world. And like, think about, <laughs> think about monogamy, all right? Yeah, like, think about this. Okay, um, I'm going to get married to you. I'm going to put this sex toy ring on your finger and I'm going to tell sex you. Sex toy ring. As soon as you have that. Oh, I feel like such as, a perv. As soon as you have that on, <laughs> it's really offensive that you just wear that around the place. But. <laughs> I'm going to put this on my finger. And this is my only one girl <laughs> ring. And everyone that can see it at the drugstore. <laughs> exactly. Daddy, and why you're like fingering it with your index finger. I know. I spin it all the time. It. Yeah. So <laughs> you, once you put that on, you can't look at anybody else, talk about anybody else, have sex with anybody else. I don't even want you looking at porn i want you total submissive servitude to this relationship you're saying it's 50 shades y- it's it's a total like restraint bdsm thing of it's course. A BDSM. monogamy is like so completely perverse in that way <laughs> shut up slave don't look at other people direct your gaze back at me direct it back at me direct it back at me lick it's like a puni- yeah lick my boot. A punishing ballet teacher you know oh it's like horrible right Jesus. so that's that's fine, but just see that that's what it is. It, admit it. See that that's what it is. I've, you know, yes. And then um, there was one more. There's one more thing. Keep going. Oh fuck! What was it? it you were talking about. Um, I was saying being psychologically open. I would tell you, but I wouldn't tell my wife. Oh yes. Yeah. So this is, um, you know, another person that Peter's really into, Slavoj Žižek, this philosopher. So Slavoj Žižek tells a lot of jokes to explain things, and this is I want to add this. I want to bring one of his jokes in. So he tells this joke about a guy who's struck on a desert island with, I think he uses Cindy Crawford as like the joke. I'm long, you know, you and I know who <laughs> she is. We're dating ourselves, yeah. 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 So um, this supermodel. So she's uh, she's on an island with this guy. They're there for like a year. And he's like, will you have sex with me? Like every like few days, he's like, will you have sex with me? She's like, no, I'm not going to have sex with you. So finally they're there for like two years. And he's like, will you please have sex with me? She's like, all right. So they have sex. <laughs> And two he's like, years. How gross is this I, I guy? <laughs> he like, lost some weight over that time. It's like two weeks. Yeah. Once the rescue isn't coming, you're like, well, we might as well be. <laughs> exactly. She just wanted a vegan, and all there was were coconuts on the island. So she finally gave in. So, so she's like, so she's like, finally, yeah, okay, I'll do it. And he's like, all right, great. So they have sex, and at the end of it, he gives her this like um, frond that like it looks like a mustache made out of a palm bush, and he gives her like a hat. And he's like, can you please? Like, just hold this up and just pretend, you know, uh, just just put this on, this hat on and this mustache. And she's like, what? He's like, just do it. And he's, she's like, all right. So she holds it up. And he goes, hey, listen, I just had sex with Cindy Crawford. Right? That so, is so funny. So there's a way in which so funny. the sexual act, I think, I love that. I mean, he uses it for different reasons. But I love that example as like a an echo a way that the sexual act continues and doesn't consummate itself through until... actually having sex. It could be until you tell somebody. Yeah. It could be something else. But one of the ways I look at that, this is not Zizek, this is just me, is we have sex so we can think about having sex. So we can create memories and like things. Because think about how long in your life you had sexual experiences with yourself before you actually right. had sex. Right. That's the preferred and more constant dominant 
like version of sex. So the sexual imagination is the primary thing that's important to us. And then we go into the sex act and then something to, else to happens. extract it as a, as a thought that you can access to on cultivate your imagination. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what's that? That's actually kinda... or right now under that blanket. Oh yeah. my God. Well, that is why you'll know, you'll know. <laughs> Trust me, you'll know. It's actually really interesting because one of the more troubling things about me, especially, and I always blame my—that's my the my my emotional blanket that I pull up—is I blame it on my Christian upbringing. But maybe it's just me. I don't know. Is that I'm always disturbed at how much my brain does like the safety of sex with myself. Hmm. You know what I mean? It's like you could have sex, and this is more when I was single. But you're like, you could go and have sex, but that's kind of a complicated situation. Right. Or you could just crank it. Like sometimes I feel like, and I know other comedians feel this way, there's like a cold practicality of just like, or I could just imagine having sex. Mm. But when you say that, sex is very different. Then every time I have sex, I go, oh shit, it's so different from masturbating. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't you? I mean, sometimes, sometimes it is. I think. I think it is unpornified. So, oh, they but, talk about having sex with a prostitute is like masturbating into someone's vagina. Yeah, I mean that's bullshit. That's not. But that's there, no but, good. Yeah. <laughs> we'll I, mean, I, was, I mean, I'm I was, here to be wrong. I was I'm a here prostitute for a long time. And Were you really? Not, yeah, yeah. So, so there I mean, was I, real. I, I don't oh, mean to God, say real, yeah, but totally. like legitimate, like connection. Oh sex. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the reason people have sex How instead of not talking about that, you were prostitute. I don't really talk about it publicly that much. Oh really? Well, it was illegal. I mean, and also, but I, but I would say that like. One of the, you know, the reason you would have sex instead of being, so one of the things that sex gives you, it's not immersion with the other person and you connect and the galaxy explodes and everything falls away. Okay, that happens every once in a while. You think that's a little Mary Poppins? I think, I just think it's bullshit. I think the reason you well, have Mary sex. Mary Poppins is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you dare. I'm trying to... uh, how dare you? <laughs> I found your line. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Knock that spoonful of sugar oh out of my, my hand. Oh, my God. That is funny. Chim, chim, chiru, sir. Chim, chim, chiru. That's how you tell me to fuck myself. Chim, chim, chiru. Oh, my God. But what I'm saying is it's been Disneyfied. Yeah, well, the idea of sex is yes, like this. Whatever you want to call it, Disneyfied. But, but I would say you have sex to be – you have sex to be alone together with somebody. So when you have sex, it's like you're trying to penetrate the person. You're actually like in various ways and bo- whatever gender, like you're kissing, you're putting your mouths into yeah, each other. You're like all that. The man, even in straight sex is being penetrated. Yes. Yeah, so you're the time right, is exactly. going inside of it. We're like, or you're trying you to envelop what? the other person in a way. Exactly. In a way, the vagina going around a penis is a penetration totally. of sorts. Yes. Yeah. I- I'm saying that I- I'm saying that feels, I agree that way. Okay. Yeah. And then there's pegging, of course. So what's that? Uh, like pegging? fucking the guy in the ass with a dildo or a finger. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. straight guy. Okay, but but <laughs> since we're only talking about heterosexuals right now, but but the <laughs> please um, keep it to heterosexuals. <laughs> I only want heterosexual because that's the only normal stuff. Okay, so I just sounded like Jason Manzuka. <laughs> I only want to talk about regular stuff. That sounds like him, doesn't it? Whoops, I just did an impression. (laughs) Keep going. Begging. Okay. Penetrating. So so, I'm just saying like you do that and you realize that none none of it works. Like you don't ever get to like absorb the other person. It just doesn't happen that way. So you realize that you're alone, but you realize that you're alone together and that creates closeness. That's interesting. And that's a Christian lesson. So if you can bring this back to your Christian mind, one of the things that 
when you uh, w- one of the things about Christ is that he's other than you. You can't ever understand that suffering, but in the striving to understand the suffering, you create a Christian act which brings you closer to him. Hmm. So like if I see you, you see me. This is not in a sexual context. I can't think your thoughts. You're completely different than me. You're individual. You're apart from me. But to meet you and have a conversation, I have to have compassion for you, and you have to have compassion for me. And so in that movement, that gesture, there's a togetherness. Uh-huh. One, one other way to say it. When I touch you, um, so w- when, when we touch, it's like, okay, here's my boundary. I'm showing you where I stop and you start. Yeah. And you're showing me where. And yet also, it's the way that we show affection to each other. Right. So we demonstrate a closeness through uh, performing the inverse, the opposite of it, which is a distance. Interesting. Yeah. I, that's so fun. So the way that I would stop you from touching me is also the way that I would touch you. It's kind of like this uh, yeah, like right, weird right. paradox. Yeah. And that, but, okay, here's what I'm going to say to that. And it's, I hear the truth in what you're saying. And I'm sure you've had the two become one sex. Val, uh-huh. Val and I have definitely had who's fucking who sex. Right. Sure. <laughs> I I would also kind of guessing where this conversation might go. I've had coffee with somebody where who's drinking the coffee. Yeah, sure. I've taken psychedelics with people and are like, who said what? What? Where are we? You know what I mean? There's definitely merging to be had. I think one of the fallacies that I inherited, again, emotional blanket of Christianity, was that when you have sex, it's always going to be... Or supposed to be. Or supposed to be. Yeah. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, which motherfucker? No, it's not. Especially your first time as two virgins. Are you kidding me? Yeah. But I remember when I um, I had sex before I was married with the girl that I ended up with the woman that I ended up marrying. But I remember I had Christian friends that I I told them I came back. It's kind of sad. I was like, guys. It's you don't wake up and the world isn't sparkling, and Aww. I and I'm a believer. You know uh-huh. that I'm the placebo effect. Like, give me a rock and tell me <laughs> it'll make me feel like my feet Which aren't touching the ground. Which is a sexual word, by the way. Placebo it means to, to please. Yeah. Well, <laughs> how very placebing. <laughs> so, um, you know what I mean? Is I'm not a hard heart person. I'm a believer person. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to go in with a with a confirmation bias that this isn't going to be magical. In fact, I had my heart broken going like it was six quick pumps and then a pre like a pre blast <laughs> and nobody was happy and then we went to a Chili's to have apple teenies to loosen up for the second round. <laughs> it wasn't great. And then I told my friend I was like, "Just so you know, you're about to get married. Don't don't be disappointed. Like you're in good company if you think that the world is still the world mm-hmm. and he and uh, it broke my heart he was like i think it's i think the world is gonna shimmer like he was holding on to uh-huh. it uh-huh. And i was like oh man i wanted him to right it felt like he was negating what i was saying too and kind of shaming me like well maybe if you had waited it's like that kid that trump just said there was no santa claus too and still believes in santa claus like trump believes in santa claus? oh no no oh. like <laughs> trump had like a phone call with some seven no i know that like, but uh, yeah and yeah. then like but the the follow up report was like the 7 year old still believes in santa claus even after the president's well like, if you can believe this- that a reality tv star can become the president yeah right <laughs> you can believe in fucking santa claus no but, problem but i think that the part, the the point is like he's also right i mean it's also in in the sense of like like sex does give us all that kind of meaning and stuff. It's just not in the way that we think. It's just not. It just doesn't deliver unto us this new. It's not work. a guaranteed experience. You no. can have sex that's like playing tennis, and that was an interesting or a conversation with a, a stranger or whatever it might be. Yeah, that was something that I had to learn. 
But then there, you obviously you agree. There's also the sex that is sort of what the poetry is about. Well, but that's sex itself. That's not a type of sex that you have with someone. So think about it this way: it's like when you awaken sexually, it's like this cat in the hat moment. Like this thing walks in and just fucking destroys the house, knocks the dishes Dude, over. You're be, like, I'm this Holy close shit, to right? believing that's what cat in the hat is. About. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like when you it's said a, that, it's I was the like, first boner. That's so what like, it is. <laughs> oh my god, Mike Myers is more scary. <laughs> in that role how did he do i'm the boner for you exactly. oh my god Thing number one and number two. Oh jesus uh, in the christ <laughs> oh no so but you but you have this thing that shows up and suddenly the world has new meanings everywhere you look it's like learning to read you see all these fucking crazy symbols yeah, as yeah. a kid and then suddenly you can read and you can't look at a billboard and just That's see right. symbols anymore That's you're brilliant. like whoa it's so sex well is said. the same so sex itself is that promise of a completely new world and it happens to most not everybody but happens to most everybody that goes through a certain age right, right. so that it's already happened so the thing that you're wanting to happen has already occurred Interesting. Yeah. You've already had that magic. Yes, totally. I also want to say Christmas Story. I don't know if you watched uh-huh. Christmas Story. Well, one of the guys became a porn star from that. Movie. Which one? Uh, I think the one who stuck his tongue to the pole. No way. You know yeah. how they did that? Vacuum. How? Oh, really? There's a vacuum in the pole. <laughs> Because obviously they can't freeze. We both his... have our facts. About yeah, that. we got facts. <laughs> I, I I've said this many times on the podcast, so I'll keep it brief. But every Christmas I ruin that movie for Valerie uh, because it's so it's about puberty. Sex, your sexuality uh, uh. is like a leg lamp that shows up <laughs> randomly and takes over the living room, and your mother wants to break it, but your father wants to enjoy it, yeah. and you want a BB gun, but nobody wants you to have. He wants a gun. He wants a rifle. It's a I dick. Know. I'm done. That's I know, all to, I'm going to say. To make one eye. Yeah, exactly. That's right. To yeah. make one eye, you'll shoot your eye out. Yeah, yeah you will. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow. Now you sound like Slavo Zizek. Like, that's how Dude, he talks about Dude, people, yeah. if I had a nickel. For every time movie people you said, you sound like Slavo Zizek. Yeah, totally. I would say, who? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I'm with you. Okay. By the way, that's just genius. The idea, because I remember not being able to read. And then I remember figuring out how to read. And I remember going, oh, no. Mm-hmm. Like, not oh, no, but like like a film had been removed. And oh, now man. you could see everything. And I remember the feeling pre-film. Mm-hmm. I remember looking at a bottle of pine saw and going, no guess. Me too. I remember not being able to read too. <laughs> Isn't that fun? I had a picture of a book. I had a picture book, sorry, that had a dead dolphin in it. I don't know why the fuck I had Because right? kids' books in the 70s They're were dark. fucked. Yeah. So I showed it and to my... And then the cat eats all of its children. And that's the lesson. Good night. Exactly. What? <laughs> so that is, so you, so I showed it to, it was a picture of a dead dolphin. I showed it to my sister and I said, what does this say? And she was a little older than me and she talked to my mom and they like read it together and they said that it's, the dolphin was dead. And I was like, no, it's not. It's alive. And she said, no, dead. And then she said, D-E-A-D. And I said, no, alive. And I just spit out this like string of unrelated letters. I was like, Q and 24, you know, like I was like totally lost. And that's but your I Netflix that. password. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it was, uh, so I remember that. Dude, and it's crazy. You know, isn't that interesting though? You were resisting yeah. meaning being put on things. You uh-huh. were like, no, I'm the king of the universe. Uh, yes, totally. You know what I mean? I'm still like that. 
I, I, I am too. Yeah. We want, it's Christ say, look, I make all things new. It's like this feeling mm. of like, I want to be the source of everything. Mm. And the world keeps saying, no, you don't. Mm-hmm. The world happens to you and you want to happen to the world. Yeah. It's but I don't, but I, I, that's another psycholytic, uh, psychoanalytic cop sense for me is I think that being psychotic is in, in the psychoanalytic sense is a really good thing. So, psychotic. Yeah. So there are three diagnoses in psychoanalysis. Neur- neurotic. Guilty. Uh, pervert guilty and psychotic hmm. oh, those, we'll, we'll see we'll see triple guilty yeah yeah so we, so we um so psychotic just means in psychoanalytic sense it's not a romanticization of like schizophrenics or whatever it means you have something called the you, you don't have something called the name of the father this is a long complicated thing i'm not going to go Daniel into Day but Lewis but you yeah exactly you, <laughs> you have just never DL. seen it <laughs> <laughs> we're all crazy if you haven't seen so he so he so he you've got me down the wrong path <laughs> yeah, now. Right. um so basically if you if if you're psychotic, you determine the conditions of your own world with certainty. Okay, and this can mean all sorts of you things. You determine the conditions of your own world with certainty. Yes. Now you know what Emerson's definition of genius is. What he said: thinking what's right for you is right for everybody. Yeah, and he. I mean, that's Emer- what he said. Geniuses. That Emerson's sounds like a what great person. Psychosis is. Yeah, he's a total psychotic. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Why do I say that? So That's the psychoanalyst would say you're compulsively psychotic and we need to work with you on the psychosis to help you live in the world better. But I would say that actually occult and spiritual development helps you become psychotic so you can begin to determine this environment and factors around you. Isn't that life. funny? Because so much of spirituality, yes. Ramdas has this interesting thing where he's like, uh, one of the first steps is to realize you're not... Um, the character in the book, you're the person reading the book. Uh-huh. Obviously, that's just soul awareness, <clears throat> soul consciousness. And then he goes, then the next step after that is to realize that you're actually writing the book. Yep. And that sounds like psychosis to me. Yeah, right? it is. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a cliche that crazy people are like, I'm Christ. Ramdas, I'm oh, sorry, I'm going to do two quick Ramdas's. Ramdas had a brother that went crazy, mm-hmm. went, like meaning the, the world determined him to be crazy. And the problem was that he was saying, I'm Christ, I'm Christ, I'm Christ, I'm back, I'm Christ. And when Ramdas would go visit him, his brother would be like, I'm Christ. And Ramdas would be like, I, I am too. Mm. And the problem with his brother was he thought he was the only one that was Christ. Right. And Ramdas was saying that we were all Christ. Well, that's really beautiful because that's how you, if you wanted to work with someone who is psychotic and you're a psychoanalyst, you wouldn't try to disavow their fantasies about the world. You would right. encourage and work with and this through is, them. That, there was a great NPR about people with Alzheimer's uh-huh. and improv people. Uh-huh. Did you hear it by any chance? It's <laughs> no. brilliant. They were like, wow. instead of going, mom, dad's dead. You know, uh-huh. dad died in 1990. <laughs> you do a yes and. Like a, you do a yes and. You go, your father's in the garage. Yeah, he's in there making cookies. Do you smell him? Not that's, I just did an asshole example. <laughs> I was worse. Do you smell him, you, you crazy smell him? coot? <laughs> but you would kind of do what I'm yes. saying. Like, yeah, he's in there. What's he doing? Well, he's doing this. And do you think he'll share him with it? Instead, you know, like, let them play it out. They were saying so they would realize the folly of what they were saying. Uh-huh. But there's also just sort of like a... You don't convert anybody with vinegar, right? Yeah. Well, the well, the thing that we're talking about with the spiritual development stuff, that's an intentional engagement to become. You know, it's not it, – when you are compulsively psychotic or you have a schizophrenia issue and it's like really interfering with your ability to function, then you have a different I movement that you right. have to enact in your life. You have something that's 
It, it, it's like porn. It's like, is it getting in the way of your function? Right. <laughs> like that's yeah. a porn addiction, I guess. Sure. You well, I don't think porn addiction ex- exists. But really? Yeah. 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 I, aren't there a lot of porn addicts that would? Let's not side try. I'll write down porn addiction. No. Well, we'll we can. I, I have like a. Really, no, I've I have a really quick way to. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. So it's, it's your episode. Way, <laughs> I want you to be happy. It's our episode. It's our episode, but yeah. I, I want you to be like, okay. that was fucking great. I was great. I want you to go back <laughs> to go get him tiger and get a cookie and go like. <laughs> could still do porn and i'm gonna have this cookie all right i think i yeah. that was a body joke <laughs> thank you yeah is that a fat joke <laughs> i mean i didn't call you fat you did say cookie not cookies so that's I think, true yeah, but it would be several oh is dad making cookies you crazy bitch <laughs> yeah. they keep coming up the cookies yeah, i know i up. want a cookie yeah all right okay so um no i would just say with the porn addiction thing it's like you know, whenever people say, because people so talk to me about porn addiction all the time, and they're like, "Look, I, I masturbate to porn like two hours a day, or whatever it is, or like I was late for work." And I'm like, "Okay, dude, how many hours a week do you work? Sixty, seventy, what, however? It really sounds like your work addiction is getting in the way of masturbating to porn, right? <laughs> and what I, why I say this is not a flippant thing to dismiss someone's pain that they deal with and struggling with watching what they perceive to be too much porn, but it's our culture priorities are lined up in such a certain way that we like privilege some things over others. You're saying like so, bonobo style, we we should be like fucking and having orgies and looking at porn or whatever we want for the majority of the day. Yeah, no, I, I would just words in your no, mind. I would just yeah. I mean, I, there's something to be said about that too. But <laughs> I think, but I think that no, all I'm saying is that the like when I say your work addiction is getting in the way of masturbating in porn, it's like. We prioritize our time based on a shitty system of values in our culture. That we right? inherited. That we've inherited, See, that are, are non-consensual, yeah. that are demanded of us. Work or die. That's fucking crazy. Work right. and die because you'll die on the way you're to the job. Anyway, you'll yeah. die like you'll die because you're suicidal because the job has destroyed your soul. You'll die, you know, if you don't work hard enough and keep your insurance and your family will starve, yeah, right? Yeah. And yet and that's completely optional, but sex and pleasure are constitutive to being human, and we're like, that's an addiction. To me, that's a fucked up value system that once we just flip it like that, we can see that there's a whole problem with the, you know talking about porn addiction. Are you going to remember what we were talking about? Because um, I'll write it down. Already I have a follow-up forgotten. question. Yeah. Me too. We'll find it together. <laughs> okay. We'll find it to- We're talking about psychosis. Yes, that's right. P-S-Y. That's what I wrote down. We'll talk about physical activity. <laughs> do you think we're like in too many directions? Is that what's it like? Do, do you think that it's like easy to follow this or are we just like ping pong? Oh, no, we're great. Okay, good. This isn't an interview. Uh, yeah, no, I know. <laughs> no, I, I know, know you know that. I love your show. I listen to your show all the oh, time. Oh, that's so kind. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. that. I, but this is what my favorite kind of episode. We have so many irons in the fire and it's great. But yeah. I do want to talk about sometimes I worry about the narrative that I'm okay. So we're talking about work is important. And pleasure and sex are addictions. And I'm so with you. I love, I think a very important question to ask is like, who told you that? You know Uh, what I mean? When it's like, well, I need to do that. It's one of the things of spiritual awakening. It's like, what story did you inherit? Mm -hmm. Like what, it's almost like what abuse was done to you mentally that somebody like told you, well, this is how life is. Like you're supposed to do this and then you do that and then you make a family and you have a wife and you're cold and you sleep in separate beds and then you die and that's a goddamn American man. (laughs) And you're like, well, who the fuck said that? So there's something gorgeous about being like, no, I'm going to go to Belgium and eat waffles and I'm going to take <laughs> psychedelics and I'm going to, you know, go on Task Rabbit and I'll make money and all this and that and I'm not going to have insurance and I know that fucking trips you out, dad. Yeah. Right. But I'm out in the world, man, and that 
fucking hippie stereotype is correct. I, I, I'm with him. And I understand that. When I watch porn, sometimes I'm concerned that it might be. I, I'm just going to speak in full ignorance, mm-hmm. knowing that you probably have a better. But I, I'm here to be wrong. I'm a big believer in being wrong. <laughs> I watch porn, and sometimes I'm just like, I'm worried that my brain is learning negative lessons, specifically about women. Mm as a man, as a straight man, that I go like, well, of course I'll interrupt women, and of course I'll gawk at women, and and even like somewhere deep, and I don't believe any of this, deep down, like, of course women should make less, they're, they're vessels, and they get pounded, and we come on their faces. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm not saying, my... The, con- my, the forefront of my consciousness knows that's not true. I am worried about the basement. I'm worried about things getting in there, slipping past my security guards that are very liberal and they're trying to be woke and they're trying to be wise. I'm worried about if I watch too many facial compilations, <laughs> am I going to behave differently when uh, I'm interacting with a woman? Because yeah. here's why. Sometimes I catch myself, and this is why I talk about this in my stand-up all the time. I'm sort of constantly, and let's talk about this, in the act of trying to stop looking at porn. That's, mm. that's like something that I'm always sort of trying to do. Uh-huh. And one of the things that I've noticed is when I hang out with women, if I'm watching a lot of porn, you just sort of reflexively start going like, well, I wonder what should look like in that harness I saw or whatever. I don't even watch porn like that, but I'm just saying. <laughs> or like what she would look like with a big old dick in her face. Yeah. Like you can't turn off the monster. Yeah. Listen to the judgment in my yeah. in my language. But that that's sort of something I'm dealing with. So if someone's like, I'm looking at porn for two hours a day, full disclosure, I remember hearing a comedian friend of ours say he looks at porn every day. And I was like, dude, that's too much. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just that's just me being honest. Yeah, I'm like, so, I don't know if you should be looking at violence that much. And there uh, is something sexually, potentially sexually violent about some of the porn that we watch. Yeah, so there's there's so, a lot there. I'm so always much, giving you 15. No, no, no. There's so much there. <laughs> I mean, look, if you're going to think of, worry about whether or not facials like like constant compilations on women's faces <laughs> are going to <laughs> that that was actually the secret meaning of the Katie Long <laughs> yeah um, interesting because she's a lesbian um, cat in the hat's but, about your first yeah. bonus Katie Long <laughs> oh, I get it I get it um, so the so the the idea of that being a sort of re-education, well, good because like goodbye teenage pregnancy, if that's the case, right? Wait, tell me, say, say that again. I, I good that. if it's educational, because goodbye teenage pregnancy, if that's the case. Because right? facials, yeah, because no one's coming I inside to, anybody. I used to have a joke yeah. about that. So, but I'm just saying, like, if you want porn to bear the burden, like, it should also get the credit, right? I don't think it works that way, but I'm just getting into that. Logic, that is interesting. Right? If this, then that. Yes, exactly. If we're going to blame it. Then we should also say yes, yeah. Now, potentially, people might be having better or more interesting sex because they're seeing <laughs> some weird stuff. They're more or pe- exciting. There stuff. are lots of studies that have demonstrated that people who see different kinds of sexual acts are open to the possibilities of people having other sexual preferences. Oh, that's other interesting. Ideas. So there was a big study about connecting porn use and like the more. The more people watched porn, the more open they were to gay marriage, which is a really interesting That's study. That's very interesting. But the, because it helped them open their own box. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They, they were going like, well, this is what I'm into. Yes. And I, I, maybe I like people wearing schoolgirl outfits or something. Yeah. Who am I to say that I might be kinkier than two men? Right. Yes. Totally. In my own way. Yeah. Yeah. 
there's there's probably some very there was a great onion article uh gay couple has be- banal sex but of course it looks like uh, banal sex. <laughs> but it's the idea that yeah of, there are probably some very square ass boring conservative gay men oh, that do it the many. same way yeah. and yeah. they're just like ugh, you didn't even look at me you yeah. know what i mean just like just Awful. like us that's a but that's a that's a revelation for some people yeah no i mean it totally totally we think they're all perverts or something I mean, I wish we were, right? But All we're pervert. not. <laughs> <laughs> well, just gay men. I don't need to like, get into but, but I mean, I think so you, so you have – so there's that aspect. There's also the aspect that like the more sexual image – this has been demonstrated again and again and again. The more available and, and uh, sexual imagery is to a culture, the more the access pathways there, the less amount of sexual assault there is in that culture. Really? Now, that doesn't necessarily mean a direct one-to-one – uh, like, oh, people watch more porn, so they do less sexual assault. But it is, it has been demonstrated, I mean, so many times. Dude, I wonder, that, go ahead. That it's like, okay, well, in cultures that have a sort of ease around this kind of stuff, people are able to talk about sex more. They're we're able we're to both engage thinking of Norway. It. Yeah. And that's when you take the bra off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Just like, that was the Norwegian yeah, that was yeah, well, yeah, that's good. I think everyone agrees. That I that think was so, too. Yeah. Very good. I, I smelled whitefish <laughs> when you said that. Um, <laughs> so That's my Lithuanian. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> that disclosure, that was me. That laugh? <laughs> no, yeah. the whitefish. Uh, the whitefish. <laughs> I thought Norway, well, anyway. You got so, it. <laughs> so, um, but I will also say that, like, okay, so when we, like, this is the way that what you said comes up in media all the time is porn is ruining, all this access to porn is ruining the way young men have sex and think about sex and relate to women and all that. And I just want to say, like, did you think it was good before? Like, what the fuck? Like, did you think it was, like, a sexual teenage utopia? Like, no. <laughs> like, this shit was insane. Like, there was so much fucking... There was rape. There was abuse. I mean, the entire what we call rape culture emerged out of not having this condition. Right, it was our place. generation. Right, right. totally. With the porn under the rock in the woods. Yes, exactly. Right. So, I'm, this is a long-term thing that we need to, like, take our time with. And... All the things you said about porn can be applied to any other kind of media. So that's the other like thing. Like violence, like, like video game violence. Not just violence, but movies. It's like, okay, so people are like, well, I watch porn and it makes it harder for me to imagine things. I'm like, yeah, well, you watch TV and it makes it harder for you to read books. Like yeah. these kinds of moves are not they, – they become special cases because they're related to sex because we have such a problem thinking through and around sex for a variety of historical reasons that are mostly about people and institutions in power regulating the way we think about sex and very – calculated ways right why do you think they did that well like here's a here's a good example so in the reformation right when you had like the catholics the the catholic church and the the council of trent decided that they had to paint towels over everybody's genitals and all the and all the art that they had and part of that was a resistance against the protestant idea that the catholics were too uh immersed in earthly in like the earthly pleasures and earthly delights and they were, like, and they we'll were distant from God. Yeah. yeah. So they're like, well, okay, uh, let's get rid of every symbol of well, this. The right? one guy who's really great at painting towels. Yeah, right. This is a great day for me. <laughs> or the guy that loves staring at dicks and vaginas. He's just like, oh, this is naughty. I'm in church painting on dicks. Do you think he pretended that it tickled a little bit? Like, like just when he started? There was here comes a towel. Just like the guy who's like really been pushing for like sexualized towels all the time. Like, <laughs> like, now now it's Gustavo's turn. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> Gustavo. So he, so but anyway, we, the the 
the all the painting that happened then, the painting over, which was just in the eighties, then like people started scraping those towels off. Oh, they scraped the, them off. Yeah, not all of them, but there, but a lot of them. That shit happened in response to a political struggle where people were trying to sort of outperform each other in holiness. It wasn't even really about sex. But the it imagine, was two groups. Yes, the Protestants the, the said Catholics, the Catholics are too yes. earthly and the Catholics were like, no we're not. Yes, exactly. So so, so imagine the echo out into mm. culture from you know, and and what had to be done, and so there are all these instances like that. That's just one instance of many, many where you can see that a game between two forces in power have echoes that right. are sometimes uh, unintended and sometimes very much intended. Well, I was wondering because again, you listen to this podcast. Don't take a shot every time I say Ram Nas, you will die. <laughs> I've been on Duncan's podcast four times. <laughs> I'm not. I would, yeah, I would be composted by now. <laughs> Richard Alpert, man. Uh, hey, man. Uh, I'm a dad, man. <laughs> That's. What I'm thinking about him because I emailed him about you too. I was like, "What should I? Have? This is going great. I didn't yeah. need to research you at all." Um, but I emailed. He didn't get back to me, and I was like, "I wonder if they're having the baby. Could that be? Yeah, yeah, Maybe. yeah. So anyway, uh, Ramdas. Oh, you guys are gonna have baby playmates. I know. Isn't That's that crazy? so cool. This is my crazy baby, man. <laughs> he doesn't say goo goo gaga. He's you gonna walk Hare in and Duncan's baby is gonna be hypnotizing your baby yes. one day. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> what were we just saying? Sex, the shame. Oh, Ronda. so Trent Constantinople, Nicaea always gets left out. <laughs> so there we are. Uh, and they talked about removing reincarnation from the Bible. The idea mm-hmm. of there were gospels that had more. There's there's actually a good amount of reincarnation in the Bible. Um, remember John the Baptist, I believe Jesus says it's uh, Isaiah or somebody? He says it's somebody. Yeah, there's a lot of debate around that, and some people say that that's just not true at all. But I Wait, what do you mean? Like people that say not that reincarnation, that's... That, 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 that that's bullshit. But I don't, I don't have a stake in it one way or the other. I experience reincarnation as a real thing, so I don't... Oh, so different. people... So at least I'm actually kind of happy to hear that people are taking that into consideration and debating it. At yeah, least. yeah, yeah. Actually, it's... I'm like, good, good debate. for you. I'm yeah. like, you should, because it's in there. Right. You know, the, I, I've referenced these examples before. There's John the Baptist, there's the blind man, and they're like, was he uh, born blind because of something his parents did, mm. or was it something he did mm-hmm. in a previous life mm-hmm. is sort of the implication. There are other ones, blah, blah, blah. So Trent Constantinople are like, this is Ramdas, his idea. He goes like, well, it's hard to have control over people if they think that they just keep going around and around and around and around until they figure it out. So we're going to go like, no more reincarnation. We're going to really double down on the idea of a physical, real heaven-hell system in an afterlife sense. And that's going to help us stop these orgies and slaughters or whatever it is that they wanted to get pull the reins in. So I wonder what was going on with, with uh, criminalizing sex. Right. In church, I remember them having like the True Love Waits Bible and stuff, and I was like, "There's so few <laughs> Bible verses about waiting until marriage. It's weird that we have a Bible." <laughs> and what if you don't truth. get married? That and was what, always my argument. I was like, "Well, you don't get married. You can have it's not premarital sex, dude." I know that's your loophole. <laughs> that and anal. It's you not, know, everybody was using like anal sex. I know that's sex. the Good. loophole. Yeah, it's a literal. If you never get married, you <laughs> can't have premarital sex. Exactly. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's like a riddle. <laughs> yeah, you're right. like it's the like Cheshire cat. You're like, I've never had premarital sex. Tomorrow I never... enter one a sinner. One... Ah! Yeah. But I wonder what um, 
level of control they would benefit from sort of upping the heat on the sex oven. Uh-huh. Uh, like, remember that guy went in and Michelangelo's David, somebody breaks his dick and stuff. They're really, they've done a bang up job on making us really hate uh-huh. ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just, I mean, it's. Uh, but isn't that in there? The point being that there's lots of groups that do that in many different ways. So right now, the versions of it that we're dealing with are one is that sex is always a place of danger that it always has the potential to turn into assault or a horrible thing. Well, it is true that like sex does turn into assault for certain people, but we locate it as a special site of danger that is really like in a way I think really like like not detrimental to us, I should mm, say. Mm. Um I think that there's also like a lot of this like no fap bullshit that's like I exert my willpower over not masturbating to porn because I don't want the sugars in my brain going from one place to another place on a brain. Dude, I looked up all of that. Right? I'm sure the no faps or not. Yeah. There's to- I mean, I-, I know like anybody probably who has a Christian background probably looked that up. Was drawn to that. Whether or not they even like still have that guilt over right. it. It wasn't the yeah. – I was interested in those – I don't want to sidetrack you. Keep going. Well, so there's that. There's all the stuff about like, well, there's too much porn on the internet. And all these things are really just old arguments in new, in new packaging. So like the porn distribution thing through the internet for – instance there's a video from the mccarthy area of this guy saying porn is communism and communism is spreading like the communists are spreading pornography through our country through you know to undermine our american value system and sure we've always had porn before but now the distribution is what's making it dangerous right Mm. so it's called a it's like a very perversion for profit i think it's called is the name of the video you can look it's like a psa video Uh with this religious leader so you can see these arguments recycled again and again. That doesn't mean that there's nothing distinct about our moment that we can talk about, but we need to clear out all the bullshit before we actually get to talk about That's it. That's actually interesting. Rob Bell's book, Love Wins, yeah. in the intro, he's like, everything I'm saying is thousands and hundreds of years old. Yeah. He's like, totally. you're going to think it's crazy and wild, but it's really old. And Ro- Rob's, Ro- I don't know Rob, but obviously he's a close friend of Peter's. Like that book is incredible, but then his sex book is really bad. And I, sex God? Yes, it's terrible. I haven't read and it. I, and I, <laughs> I mean, but. The, I wonder if he the, would agree with you. I mean, he, he wrote it so long ago. He might. But the point of that being like people who can think really clear headedly about a lot of things and be so open and about freedom and compassion and all that when it comes to sex there's just a Dude, lot of trouble there I'm duding a lot today yeah i like it. i remember my makes me feel more you know like one of you <laughs> <laughs> only straight men say dude that's not true <laughs> um i remember my pastor when i left the church i remember asking my mom i was like well he has to be for gay marriage i mean like the church is just evolving or getting more progressive or whatever you want to say. And she was like, no, he just gave a lovely sermon on it. I just think this is Uh, going to be fun for (laughs) us to dissect or whatever, or maybe not. But he was like, when a man and a man are together, he basically said, nothing is added is what he said. He's like, is added. He dude, he was looking at it like (laughs) men are one thing. It's binary. Uh Like men have male energy. And we both know that, I have a lot of female energy, to be honest, like I think. Mm -hmm. And then they were like, and women have women energy. Uh And then therefore, when a man and a woman get together, 
like a plus and a negative get yeah. together and there's a charge. That's a Taoist philosophy, by the way, too. Which part? Well, the, there's like a Taoist sexual philosophy about how like, well, if a man were just to have sex with a man, he would only be like, it would only increase his desire to have more sex. So a man has to have sex with a woman to ground it. So it's in a That's lot of places. That's kind of what he's saying. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is that seems like new packaging on an old totally. shame Well, idea. that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I, that's what brought it to mind. Yeah. Was I was like, it's sort of reduced. And again, you're over the fence. You're the sheep that jumped over the fence. I think one of the things the people on the, the sheep on the other side of the fence like is taking something as wild. It's almost like liquid metal. It's always moving. Mm. I used to have a joke about checking if you were gay every morning because like... <laughs> Who do you fucking like? It's, we love certainty. We just go like, nope. Especially after you meet me. I that's, mean, that's right. A, a big Hello. difference. Getting a little black curious <laughs> over here. But, but uh, joking aside, there is evolution and and, and weird um, movement going totally. on. So we like going like, no men are just men and women are just women when we know that's not true. It's total bullshit. And then when men and women have sex, therefore it's the special thing. And when a woman and a woman have sex, nothing is added. These concepts of men and women that are is... not even, they're not even like more than a few centuries old. Before, in Western culture, before the, like really around like the 18th century, but bef- bef- this started changing. But before then, because the medical model was totally different, we had an idea of how the anatomy worked based on principles of humors and heat and all that kind of stuff. So, what do you what think our ideas of? Uh, yeah. So, what do you think our ideas of like fucking gender were? Yeah. The idea was that you had a man and a woman was just kind of like a man with glasses on. Like, <laughs> she. She was basically the same. She was basically the same, but she didn't have enough warmth to externalize her genitalia. So you have all these like... She was a mildly deficient man was the idea. So you have these graphs that are like, look, the scrotum is actually like, if you look at the like the passageway, it's like an inverted penis and balls inside of a woman. Yeah. So there are stories of like a woman who gets overheated and falls down a hill and then her genitals pop out and she becomes a man. Right. Just like that. Right. So... (laughs) What the fuck are we talking about? Male and female energy, right? In the Eastern version I was talking about before. Can I interject and say one of my favorite videos I looked up when I was a young man was uh, how how to, I don't want to say it. Yeah, I'll say it because we're friends. Eat pussy. Uh-huh. I looked up a video. I was like, that'll be interesting. I'll get better at that. And I found this video. This, <laughs> he was a teenager, so it was uncomfortable. And I was like, I for humor, I'm going to watch this. And he was so struggling with how gay it is. How not? You know what I mean by that? How similar yeah. it is to giving a blowjob. Uh huh. He kept being like, okay, so you find the clit, and, oh. and then like you don't suck on it, but you kind of have to suck on it, and like. He was describing yeah. a blowjob, and he was having a crisis in the video. And I was watching him like fucking freak out. Basically, I don't. I don't think it's funny to say no homo, but he was having a real no homo. Yeah, like, he sure. kept having to be like, "I'm not gay, but you got to cut a couple of the nuts when they're inside. You go inside, couple you find inside, and suck and lift up and down, but not in a gay way. Like think about football. Yeah. you know what I mean, like." Because straight sex is so fucking gay. That's what I mean. It really is. Everything. Everything's everything. Everything's. We could be funny and say everything's gay, but really everything's everything. Yeah. 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 Well, it's all gay, but (laughs) I think. (laughs) But but I think. 
I, I think that there's like, I mean, what I was saying before is like, yeah, so that, that Eastern, that old Eastern principle is based on ideas of energy and their ideas of anatomy and all that kind of stuff. It's not even based on gender and the ways that we break it down. So this idea of these two, like this dichotomy between man and woman, yeah, we identified women and men in a certain way, but the entire idea of it was completely different. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't have any, it seems like a more modern idea to understand that people have different energies i suppose like like a woman can have a very what we tr- consider a masculine energy mm-hmm. and a guy can have a fem- what i'm saying is my pastor's argument is based on the idea that your packaging indicates your energy yeah yeah right that's yeah. why i don't like you know putting a baby boy in a red Sox jersey as a baby you know what i mean i'm like well, I don't, we don't know. Uh-huh. We, what are you doing? But again, it's... <laughs> he it's, might be a Yankees fan. <laughs> ah, of course he's going to like baseball. But like, we want things to be simple. Like Life is so complicated. And I have to think that back in the day when we were all just trying not to get some disease and we're just trying to feed. So we're just like, men are men! Yeah. Like a lot of things were just ended that way. We didn't have the luxury of unpacking things as much as we do now. But we're still using the arguments from humors and heats. Yeah. Today, well, we're, well, when we po- can do better. post that, but yeah, it's everything is sort of like it. it people don't take things into account when it comes into history in general. It's yeah. like does does this look like what has been happening in history forever, or does this look like something new that just that we just came up with? How are these things connected? And it's really important, but with sex particularly, nobody really wants to do it. What I say is like with spiritual teachers, and Ramdas might actually be a good ex, uh, exception to this rule. Um, is, you know, some spiritual teachers talking about sex, I always want to say, okay, how many people have you had sex with? Because if it's less than a thousand, I'm not interested in what you have to say. And, and the reason why is you can tell me about your sexuality. You can talk to me about sexuality because that's yours. That's you. That's your experience. When we talk about sex and the mystery of sex, and when I say the mystery of sex, I mean it. it sex is always something that we can learn more from than about. It's always one step ahead of us. Mm. You really have to be in the current where sex is your teacher. That's how you learn about sex Interesting. is by having it. Right. So – when you, so that's why I think it's like all these people making comments about it's like you can have like the greatest brilliant spiritual mind, but you've done this thing never. Like you've right. done it like what fifteen times it's in your very life. Interesting. Yeah, you need to be an active. You need to be Moshe in the nineties. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. That's really really interesting. Who is qualified to talk about these things? Are you are you bisexual or just? Or, I don't want to be. No, I. So it's interesting because I. First of all, I, st- I try to stop saying gay now that I'm gay. I try to say I'm attracted to men because that's true. What and is gay? The there for you? Well, yeah. gay. I mean, these this bifurcation of gay and straight is something that happened in the 19th century, like 1848 or something like that. Good year. So these identities are totally. Yeah, it was a great year. Great year. Is People were eating yeah. bugs. They found. <laughs> Wearing like old leather hats and going, yeah, you're gay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but these, I mean, these terms as identities are just to me they're non they're nonsense bullshit. But I do find myself drawn and attracted to men. But as I get older, the older I get, the more attracted to women I am. Can, can, that's what's interesting to me. So yeah. we're talking about knowing you and uh, making me more gay or whatever yeah. it is. And I'm totally open. I've always been on this podcast open to the idea that I don't think like sucking a dick is gross or yeah. like, gay sex is gross or anything like that. Oh, thanks. But thanks, I'm guys. so – yeah, no. You know what I mean? I know, I'm telling you about my sexuality. I'm not validating. <laughs> no, I'm just you. kidding. I, okay, but I want to be clear that that's not what I was doing. 
I am so into female for the general female, like psychologically women and the idea of that, their physiology and their temp, not their temperament, how they are uh-huh. really does it for me. And it goes back to my mother. It goes, it's deep, like psychological <laughs> uh-huh. stuff. Yeah. Whatever it was, I got the hook in me to love women, especially sexually. Yeah. Like way, way, way more than I can understand sex with men. Isn't it cool though that like, so you've been thinking about this. I'm taking my, I'm not taking all my clothes off. off (laughs) Look, okay, fine. (laughs) We'll see about that. Let's see. You want to test how open I am? Okay. (laughs) So, um, I was just saying like, um, isn't it fascinating that, and so cool that this thing that you've been thinking about since you were, how, uh, however old, like however old till you got that sexual, uh, self-aware sexual consciousness, mm. you are still interested in it and endlessly fascinated by it. Yeah. Isn't that fucking great? Right. I love that. I love the enthusiasm that sex can bring to an idea or a yeah. topic or an image. That's why this conversation has been so fun. Yeah. And I was like, I, I used to be, when I was single, I was more interested in talking about it. I was uh-huh. like, because uh-huh. I was having more... Uh, casual sex i guess there are more options more in options some way. so i was yeah. like really asking everyone about like what is your philosophy uh, <laughs> of sex and relationship and i that, heard on the show and yeah. sometimes i would scream at the show i was like Tell no me. no no well, it's been too long oh, i don't remember the remember. things that you, but i remember because like you do have a lot of like sort of spiritually minded people on yeah. who like you know, but again, it's just the same thing where people feel really entitled to declaratively say well, stuff about sex. Do you remember what Rob said that was wrong? I'm very curious. Oh, no, I don't remember what Rob said that was wrong. You mean in his book? I have to admit, if I had to guess, I would think that it might be kind of go- circling back to what I was oh, saying yeah. to Leela, imaginary teenage or projected teenage Leela, that like sex is very special and it's a yes, gift. Yes, that's, that's it. I mean, yeah. that's, that's the premise of a lot of even people who are doing – and I think Rob does great and really important and urgently needed work. So it's not a comment on Rob, but yeah, yeah. it's like, but the idea that sex is supposed to be between two people that love each other, like love is the, here's the thing. Lust, when you see somebody and you think that they're hot and you're with them for like three months and you're like, I cannot get enough of this fucking person. I want to consume them. They're so amazing. Yeah. They're so fucking great. And you're so turned on all the time. Yeah. And then pe- people, and then that like, you know, changes after three months or whatever. And people are like, well, you're just infatuated. That's just lust. And I'm thinking if we could live up to the ideal of lust, which is you forgive people everything, you love them, you see their potential, you think they're amazing. Like what happens is you have to recreate that intentionally in love. That's the thing that's really exciting about love is you have to live up to lust. Mm. It's not that lust is less than love, you know? And so that's, you know, I think that that's, that's a very trick. interesting. You're trying to manufacture and, and recreate over and over infatuation and, and lust. Yeah, yeah. And to be that forgiving, that permissive, yeah. that loving to someone's potential. I think about a, a crazier relationship that I had where I was so attracted to the person and I was like, you're right. They could do no wrong. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, as long as I get that sweet yeah. ding-a-ding-ding. Exactly. <laughs> 
And then, unfortunately, that does as long wear as I have off. gay sex with that pussy, <laughs> I can't wait to give you a blowjob <laughs> on your vagina, on your baby, dick. on your little baby. Yeah. I, I like dicks. I just like tiny yeah. little dicks at the top of a vagina. Yeah, because that's all I can handle. Yeah, I got it. Uh, that's very interesting. Oh, but you were saying as you get older, you're more interested in. Yeah, the- I'm not. I'm not like it's not going anywhere because that's a set of social skills that I don't know. I'm interested in investing my time and figuring oh, that's it out. That's what I'm talking about. The sexual checkbook, the yeah. balancing. Yeah, like Val and I, I think could be like, okay, let's be open. Right. I just don't know if sex is that priority for me. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's not. I'm just not a pearl handled handgun, shag carpet, open robe, <laughs> playboys on the table right. guy. It's just not my thing. Okay, but I'm so much more into like comedy. That like if comedy was sex, I'd be like a fucking swinger. The only the only thing I would add to what you're saying though, for you, just from what I've heard you say, it's that you struggle with certain aspects of your sexuality when for you're sure. encountering porn and what you imagine and all that. So that is the place to sort of invest in a kind of uh, time and a kind of like uh, more freedom around that, and also compassion for yourself you know for those kinds of things because that that's still with you probably a lot more than you'd like anyway so since it's taking up that much time you might as well actually just do something about it i would say um my book is called comedy sex god which is funny because is it really called sex god oh yeah (laughs) so we joke that mine mine is like the sequel but the reason sex is in there is because so much of my spirituality is linked to my uh-huh. to my sexuality uh-huh. and it always yeah. has been. And I am one of the lessons that I learn in the book is to love mm. that side of myself as well and to have compassion and openness, not judgment, but just mm-hmm. go like, yeah, it's it's in here. It's not a flaw in the system. It's it's part of mm. the human experience. And I do have that old programming that wants to push it away almost like a weird i had a therapist that suggested to me that my sex shame was something that i enjoyed kind of like you saying the cock ring on my finger of course it is yeah but this is a revelation to people that might be Uh, listening and it was a revelation to me was that like it wasn't just the looking at the porn it was the shame and the hiding it and then looking at it again and then the shame and the hiding it it wasn't just the porn. It was the addiction of like falling out of grace with God and then earning it back, yeah. going back and forth and back and forth. And anyone watching with a telescope from another planet would just be like, <laughs> look at how obvious this is. But when you're in it, you're just like, I'm just a good boy. <laughs> right. You know what well, I mean? Here's what I, here's what I sincerely want for people that are in that kind of situation that you're describing is think about a nude beach. Okay. Everybody's fucking naked. They're not all getting hard-ons and wet pussies because they're like playing volleyball on the beach with their giant, you know, bicycle seat bushes and all that kind of shit. You know what I mean? It's like they're all they're all having, BSBs. Yeah, BSBs. <laughs> they got their BSBs out and their BSB ports. So the, that's all... one of my porn search words: is BSBs. I need some BSB bushes, baby. So they're all, so they're they're not all like getting aroused, right? And isn't that odd? A lot of our sexuality depends on the revelation, the removal, are, yes. the removal of the repression for a moment, yeah. and then we're and then we're aroused. I don't think I I we we've become so accustomed to eroticizing that. I don't think there's anything bad about it, and I don't think we have to condemn it because we've become accustomed to it or whatever. I just want it to be an option. So when I, it's almost like a BDSM thing, really. It's like. 
I want people like to be able to turn on and off their eroticization of things by making a decision a little bit more. So in other words, who wrote the story? Yes, yes you choose your repression. Where do you want to be repressed? Fucking and it. then you do it. Where and would you like to be repressed? Yes, ritualize your repression. That's what I would say. And own it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then it becomes an option and it becomes an act of freedom for you. And I think that that's something Dude, that that's people beautiful. should try more. That's gorgeous. Thanks. That's so beautiful. Yeah. I wish your book was published. I, <laughs> I do. Too. That wasn't even the end of my book story because I wrote this other proposal for a year and a half now having an agent and uh, – oh, so, so that book was uh, like shut down by the publisher but I got to keep it, which is good. But then I wrote this whole other proposal. She threw it a, back. A lot, yeah, she did. You she can did. keep it. Yeah. That's legally binding. She mailed it back to me and the pages were stuck together, which is really odd. Ah, <laughs> is so, that a smegma joke? <laughs> I don't know. She like rubbed them on herself or something like that. <laughs> That's <laughs> really teaching. <laughs> but th- but then like I yeah I had this whole other book that was like I wrote a proposal for like a year and a half and everybody's like this is going to be the most amazing book that's ever and like all the all these like publishers were freaked out by it like mm. notes that were like some of them were really like intense you know too and the really, notes like, were yeah like the responses were like. Anyway, I don't need to get in. It's not a poor me story, but it's like yeah. th- writing about these kinds of things and getting them out there if they're not in the narrative is really difficult. It's mm. hard, you mm. know, with a, a topic like that. Yeah, it is. And yet it's so liberating and feels so good when you say own your re- – what, what did you say? Own uh, yeah. Your uh, repression? Uh, ritualize your repression. Ritualize your repression. Yeah. That's so interesting. That is something that Val and I – being able to talk to somebody who was raised Christian like me – and to talk about what that did to our sexuality. Right. This yeah. is like the brain chemistry that I have. This is the history that I have. And it's okay if that turns you on and 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 love yourself. Yeah, is what we're talking about. Yeah, there's just no way of getting ahead of your desire. It's always going to be one step ahead of you. Yeah. So even when it, you think about it in terms of relationship problems, like I know in every relationship I've been in, I've always kind of had one foot out the door. Always. Doesn't matter. I'm always like, uh, but maybe I'll just go move to Venice Beach and live in a surf shack and like, <laughs> you know, fuck twenty five year old. Hello, boys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like uh, instead of this loving relationship I'm in, right? Yeah. So I had to learn how to say, okay, that's not going away. So how do I now incorporate that into being in a healthy relationship? That sounds very Moshe to me. Which is something. Oh, Moshe is Moshe. just like I'm. I'm oh, a yeah, very yeah. sexual person, and he's a married person. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? So. Making peace and having tea with your perversions. Yes, totally. As opposed to con. That's what we have in the Christian church is like pushing them away, pushing them away, pushing them away. Mm. And then one day they show up, and wherever you've been pushing them into, <laughs> right. there's a bow flex because <laughs> yeah. they are back and they are ripped and they're ready totally. to like fuck your shit up. Yeah. That's a. I, that, I'm going to applaud my own. <laughs> that was great. I'm going to write a sex book. I'm just kidding. I can't help anybody. <laughs> you kind of are writing a sex book, right? With this, so. this. Well, yeah. yeah no, it, the, the punchline of the book is love yourself, but there is a lot of what, one, section. One more thing, though, and I don't know where we're at. But well, he gave me the light, which means talk about God, but that, we don't have to. Well, I'm about to talk. And we're about, going to. I'm about to talk about God, but not in the way that you usually ask your guests. But let me just say, like, there's an old. I never talk about this, but there's an old. There's an old occult idea that Christ healed people through sex, not having sex with them, but the non-material aspect of sex that exists within us as a sort of uh, – How dare you? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. No, a a, a what? The non-materialistic – 
the non-materialistic gesture that exists within us as a kind of like pulsing energy. Uh, yeah, I don't like the word energy, but it's it's, it's something. <laughs> it's just a little. It's a little materialistic for me. But that was the way that he healed people. So if you look at the Bible, it is a book of healing. I mean, the New Testament. I mean, there's so much healing in it. I mean, it's really like Christ. You know, rises up. So there's this idea of it's I healing heavy. bring this yeah sexual beingness to people and it it is the thing that heals them if you look at him using spit to heal people Mm -hmm. a word a command Mm -hmm. i mean these things all have their doubles someone touches his robe exactly yes they all have their their doubles we're stuck in we're stuck in a physical world Mm -hmm. you know laying on of hands anointing with oil um the smell of incense holy water Uh all you know all of these things kind of church makes can make me horny uh-huh. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like there's something about it. It's mm. visceral, mm-hmm. especially high church. Not, mm. not my church is very. My church makes me flaccid. Uh. The church I grew <laughs> up in. But I understand the feeling of like <laughs> muted organ music and being like, here we all are being good. That's mm. why a Catholic schoolgirl is like a classic. Mm. Ooh, kind of idea. Well, uh, yes, and uh, well, <laughs> I want to go off on what you're saying and what I just said, like. A question for us to ask ourselves is, what kind of pleasure did Christ experience? What Mm. is the pleasure of Christ? How did that happen? So when Christ meets people and heals them... What is happening? What for him. kind of yes? What Dude, kind of, you're doing what I did with porn. You're having exa- my porn revelation. Exactly. How did it feel for Jesus to heal people? Yes. You think? Are you hypothesizing that it was pleasant? Yeah, I mean, I uh, well, and if it's not, if it's not just in the healing, it's still a question for us to ask: What is the pleasure of the Christ? That's mm. not a question we ask almost ever, mm. ever. We ask, we talk about joy, we talk about maybe we talk about this very serious stoic figure, but we don't talk about what was happening in as far as pleasure goes for this being chemically, well, or just like just inward neurologically, yeah, happening. That's very well. That's why. I remember people were like, well, you don't call someone rabbi unless they're married. This is where we started going like Jesus was married. Uh, uh, people love uh, saying Jesus was married to like uh, Mary Magdalene or whatever it yeah. was. And I remember being like going, well, this is a very old idea for me. I don't feel this way anymore. But I was like, if God came down as a man because he wanted to see what it was like to be human, that I think is a flawed idea. I think God is within and throughout all of humanity. So there's no question for God. But that is, the, you know what I mean? God wasn't up in heaven going like, I wonder what it's like to be hungry. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> What's it like to be angry? <laughs> but that is an idea that I had, was he was like, oh, he wanted to know, so he came. Mm-hmm. Which is like a weird idea that he didn't know, mm-hmm. that omniscience didn't know something. Yeah. But anyway, then he came and I was like, well, then of course he'd want to have sex. He'd want to fall in love. He'd want to eat a mm-hmm. hamburger. All the, all the stuff that we've all done. That's not a, a story that I enjoy anymore or believe in anymore. Mm. But then I, I do remember being like, of course he wanted to have sex. Like, did Jesus ever mm. masturbate? Obviously, yeah. it was probably sacrilegious to ask that. But, I mean, it is an interesting... Well, it certainly hung it's like out a with Mary co-op. Magdalene, who I would have trust as a spiritual authority on sex. Is, you know what I mean? It's it's probably like, it. Someone who had sex with thousands of people, probably. It's right. Like, so she can talk about... <laughs> <laughs> but but he, he kept in proximity to her and all those apostles. They all had their own sort of gift, you know? Right. And so there's a there's a tension between the relationship between those two. Right. He wasn't an aesthetic. He wasn't staying away from yeah. everybody. He was in the mix. Yes. And he was constantly having dinner with people that people were like, 
who, yeah. the, who what are you doing? And he's like, this is where the juice is, man. Because uh-huh. <laughs> Jesus was a groovy hippie. <laughs> That's very, I'm going to think about that. That's like something worth meditating on is what pleasure. And then also like what pain, because when you merge with Christ energy, mm-hmm. and now I, I'm, I'm thinking about, there have been times meditating, but there's also been a lot of times with psychedelics. It feels very euphoric. I would I would consider that mm. being like a coming into oneness is another way of putting it. And it feels not unsexual. In fact, Terrence McKenna points out that when you take mushrooms, you're often quite horny. So his idea was that chimps or, you know, our closest relative ate mushrooms mm. and that made them wake up in a certain way. Their brains evolved and then they were horny. So they had a lot of sex and that made new new chimps like it helped in that evolution, but in a sexual way as well. Does that make sense? So like when you're feeling that sort of euphoria, there is a sexuality sort of. It's just that we're used to sexuality being concentrated in a certain area. Right. right? But if you feel the presence of Christ, which is like, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say at one minute because that for me is he's, he's already, that being is always, always present. Always. It's the recognition of the presence of something that's always there. Right. So when I, experience that it's throughout me it's not it's also that's right somewhere but it's also in your in your junk yes it's there too yeah 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 i was it duncan that was like (laughs) offering your orgasm to god well that's something that alistair crowley did all the time oh really with this this particular being this one kind of god but yeah i mean you can do that for sure you know see how it goes i think that was a, a, there was a lot of that happening in the when they talk about there's a theory I don't know if you know it that a lot of what they call homosexuality uh, in the New Testament is actually more like that type of sex worship that they were saying was like mm. getting people away from mm. Christ or whatever you know I'm not an expert in the theory but that's what they're more talking about is being Got like it. Paul is more like <clears throat> let's stop jerking off to idols and let's wake up to yeah, I mean, these theories are also like, and there's also that whole theory that Jesus had like this gay lover and that also really? that he, yeah, he like talked to the soldier who had a gay lover and all that, the sentinel had a gay lover and all that kind of stuff. And for me, it's like, it's all kind of, I don't, I think that they're important questions for people to think through and to consider and think about. But for me, those kinds of things, it's sort of like, you know, I just did this episode of my show. Like, I do these solo episodes on Saturdays, and I did this one that called the occult solo significance Saturday. of yeah, <laughs> called the the uh, the occult significance of Christmas. And I think a lot of people were expecting me to talk about the mushrooms that turned into Santa Claus, or like the Christmas <laughs> conspiracy of the reindeer, or the birthday of Mithras. And I was like, no, what's happening in an inward way? What's the continuity between the physical and the inner world that's happening? Because that's where the occult lies that's where spiritual dimensions of things lies by well by seeing the continuity between the two Uh, and and, and examining your experience so this is where i go with the whole jesus homosexuality sexuality thing it's like what do i experience when i begin to ask these questions in my inner states and the motion of my thinking and the movement of my feelings and the sort of urgings to do or to act what happens there that to me is a more profound way of looking at it than figuring out the, all the details about what the bible said in this translation or this translation right you know? turning it into a checklist of do's and do nots yeah sort of strips it of its mystical wonderment yeah, yeah. well and you can do that 
and then let it lead you to the inner or let it lead you to that other right. work I was just talking about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was just reading a Richard Rohr thing where he was like, a life mm. that's just a straight line mm. is like not valuable to God. Really, uh-huh. <laughs> He's basically saying like, if you just like stuck to what we consider the straight, straight and narrow, just like learning nothing, failing, never. Uh-huh. It's an old idea, but I love having a Franciscan friar be like, it's way more valuable to you and to God or whatever understanding of God you have to like fuck up. We don't come to God by doing it right. We come to God by doing it wrong. I understand that has right and wrong in there. Yeah. But, but like, no, I get it. Yeah. But it's, and I'm not saying homosexuality is wrong. I'm saying like what we're here to do is experience and merge and dance with a whole mess of very esoteric and strange energies. And at the end of it, hopefully some sort of inner transformation to your real self, which is just your awareness yeah. anyway, separate from your body can learn something from that. Yeah. And, I mean, the way I think about that is, um, so my sort of main spiritual go-to guy is this guy, Rudolf Steiner. I don't know if you know if anything about Schrein. him. Rudolf Steiner? Steiner. Okay. No, you don't. So if you've ever heard of Waldorf schools, biodynamic farming, sure. he invented all that. Community shared agriculture. He created all these things. He's oh, wow. a sort of Leonardo da Vinci kind of figure. But, um, you know, a quote that he said, sexist, because he said man instead of human, but he said, uh, man is not free. He is on his way to becoming free. Mm. So this is how he resolves the whole free will determinism. Everything is that straight line. But when we act when we when we think with intention in a living way when we act with purpose and when we feel with impurity we rise above the straight line kind of like a like a seal breaking the surface and sort of looking out of the water and looking Mm. around but that doesn't happen without our effort and development and then that happens but then we're always sort of pulled back down into i would call it karma this kind of straight line Mm. but we do that again and again and again and it creates a song of if you look at the line, a song that follows us into the life that's between this one and the next one, and then it follows us into the next mm. one. Mm. I love that. I've been thinking a lot about free will uh-huh. you <laughs> lately. Have? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think I don't really believe in it, mm. uh-huh. <laughs> which I find very liberating. Mm. I just sort of go like, it helps me step into the place of like, certainly I have the experience of free will. So that's kind of its own thing. Mm-hmm. But then I'm also like, even me saying that just seems like me obeying. Yeah. Pete's just, Pete's brain is doing what Pete's brain does. And that's not to have like a a cold distance to Mm -hmm. my actions, but it does give me a compassion for myself and for others. Mm -hmm. Like if I look at someone, I'm like, God, what an asshole. I'm just sort of like, yeah, he's stuck in that personality. Mm -hmm. He's stuck in his history. He's stuck in his, you know, the neurons that fire and the ones that don't. Mm -hmm. And it kind of helps you love them anyway. You're just like... Or you could call it karma. You're just like, he's just working off his karma. But is your love then a choice or your compassion? But what? who's loving? That's what I would say. Pete's yeah, love. So I would say, I can't, I turn this off like 10 times. And you could do um, So, I, you know, I would say that um, the, yes, you need a different idea of what the self is to understand what free will is. You can't just take the sort of I'm saying Pete idea. doesn't have free will. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> that's yeah. what I'd like to say. But who's saying Pete doesn't have free will? Right. That's what I'm with you. Right. <laughs> I like to say Pete's not my ego is not enlightened, but I am. I see. Yeah. And I don't have Pete doesn't have free will, but I'm not really concerned with that. Well the fact that you can use the word <laughs> I at all indicates something. Yeah. Indicates a kind of freedom in a way. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is, that's, that's baked in goodness right there. <laughs> I was watching, I forget which speaker it was. My YouTube knows what I like and it, it throws me random 
Indian <laughs> teachers all the time. And he was like, the difference between us and the animals is like, you can do things consciously. Mm-hmm. So he's like, so I can, now I'm lifting my left hand, I can, and my sex cock ring, I can move this hand around, as opposed to an animal that might just be like scratching myself. Yeah. It's doing something unconsciously. I can move it for no reason, and this feels like free will. Or it just, forget free will in the big picture, we can just say, I can do things consciously. Yeah. A locust eats leaves. I can choose to be a destructive person or a productive person, a loving person. But to answer your question about love, I am love. Mm-hmm. Pete hates a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Pete, Pete is bullshit, though. Pete refracts Pete love bullshit. into something we call hatred. Yeah. Sure. Yes. Sure. That, yeah. I like that. But like his opinions... My thoughts, my personality, mm. dude, I am so tired of them. <laughs> Nobody wants to meditate. I don't tell people, like, don't meditate. Sit in the part of you that has nothing to do uh-huh. with all of your horse shit. Uh-huh. That's attractive. Yeah. That's what I do. Last night, I'm lying in bed just sort of replaying what I said at a party when I was stoned or whatever it is. <laughs> I'm just like, you know what, man? It's an Eckhart Tolle thing. He goes, your brain loves that stuff. You have no interest in that stuff. Uh-huh. You, the real you, your essence, your awareness, doesn't want to build bombs. It doesn't want to do crossword puzzles. It doesn't want to make friends or anything. It's just sort of watching that stuff unfold. And when I can be in that place, that's where peace is. So in some ways, it's actually, it's completely interested in it. Because since you're doing that, and the movement into love is being able to watch yourself, yeah. the watching is the thing that you but are that's, interested that's in. that's that sine wave that you say. That's yes, the seal under the water. Yeah. That's why I say it's not a flaw in the system. It's not a waste of time. But the more I can get Pete to rest in who he really is, the better. Okay, so I would say that resting, I like what you're saying, I would say that resting is the first thing. And then the next thing is another, is a trick. And it's the part where people don't go often enough, and that we need to do a lot of work on this spiritually, is, so you're, it's the, the active movement of your thinking, we talk about thoughts all the time, but we really don't talk about thinking almost at all. A thought appears, and we can say, you know, if we have some Eastern tradition, we say, that's not me. That's just my thought. That's just arising. It's appearing, all that yeah. kind of stuff. But we're not paying attention to the active dynamic process of how the thought appears and rises up. And that is our thinking. And what we can do, instead of just trying to think new thoughts, which are the dead husk of thinking, it's like if you imagine sort of a snake moving and it's constantly shedding its skin, the shed skin are the thoughts, but the movement of the snake is the thinking. Mm. If we can get into the actual movement of the thinking, then something happens. So the rest place you're talking about is watching the thoughts arise and saying, that's not me, that's not me, that's not me. Interesting, but not me. But then there's also a movement there that we can get into, and that is pure thinking, and that's something much different. And that's a really, really intense... I mean, I almost... Most people can never get there, ever. And I've had, like, I think, flashes or experiences of it. But when that starts happening and you get into the movement, that is when you become, I think, the most human. And that's something else. So I just want to add that to you. It's interesting. I can't even really fully conceptualize (laughs) No, it's a hard thing to. I'm like, yeah. I understand. I've heard people talking about 
focusing on the space in between thoughts and mm-hmm. like what's going on there or even the space in between breaths you're breathing in you're breathing out mm-hmm. and like there's that half second when you're doing neither mm-hmm. you know in the uh-huh, flow uh-huh. so you, it feels like you're saying something kind of in the same ballpark as that it's it's more it's more than that i think that that's an essential aspect of spiritual development mm. and in fact one of the best meditations you can do is basically what you're saying but just with a little more application 5 minutes in the morning just sit, look at all the thoughts that rise up. Don't try to get rid of them. Don't try to discard them. And then just write them all down if you can remember them and do that again at night. Mm. That's one thing. But then the other thing is there is a movement that is causing those things to rise up. The engine. The pulse. Yes. Uh, or, the snake. Or, or a flow. <laughs> yes. The, the flow. The, 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 it's like our blood is circulating and our heart is like shifting. So the blood is circulating. But there's a movement there. And that's mm. non-material. And so get into the movement of the thinking, and then that's a different kind of spiritual development. And I think mm. most people stop at the observation. You're right. Which I think is good. We're outside of the factory watching these cardboard boxes come out on a conveyor belt. Yes. But we haven't gone in the factory. Yes. And we ha- well, we haven't become the motion itself, and that's something different. And it is very hard to think about because right. we don't tend to think of things in terms of movement, gesture, and motion. We tend to think of things in terms of object. Right. Even our thoughts, it's an object. Or I am this, I am right. that. It's an object thinking. But if we get into movement thinking, something else happens. Well, that's Ramdas references this all all the time, so I'm twice removed. <laughs> There's a book I think I've never, I haven't been able to find it. Um, but it's called Consciousness Without an Object, mm, mm. which I just think uh, there's a lot of books that I love just the title, uh-huh. <laughs> Consciousness Without an Object. Uh-huh. There's also a book that I have I've never read, but I just got a lot of value out of the title, which is called Seeing is Forgetting the Name of the Thing One Sees, mm-hmm. which I think is great. Because mm. what we're talking about is is thoughts. Is If I can look at a tree and go, tree, mm-hmm. I've cock-blocked myself from experiencing the tree. Yeah. And then yeah. what was the other one I just said? Consciousness without is, an object. Yeah, without an object. So you're, Ramdas says you're always a thought away from God. Yeah, you're a thought away from the where the action is because when you think about something, uh-huh. it's over there. That's why he's all about. It, it kind of sounds like your snake thing, becoming something, not thinking about yeah. the snake, not looking at the skin, but merging with the process of of being, of isness, of mm. flow, of pulse, mm. in a way that you can't talk about. It, or think about yeah but well, you're just a, you're just in it because everything about us is like a, it's a giant death we're just giant death engines okay when i see something GDE. yeah exactly <laughs> gde and bsb <laughs> things things die into us and that's how we perceive them so when we when we see an object with our perception that's actually a death process it's limiting itself coming into us and becoming a corpse because Things th- things don't really exist. I mean, there's there's no matter. It's like that's people are like, does God, does the spiritual world exist? No, the question is, does matter exist? That's what we have to start asking ourselves because mm-hmm. there's no real definitive like way way to say that. Mm-hmm. We talk about it with concepts, but that's it. So we know concepts exist, but things die into us when we see them. When we see light, it's a death process that's entering into us. I know this is rather like off the rails kind of thing, but our thoughts also are death processes. So the, the sort of when you think something is very much like an inner object, it's a, it's a dead thing. It's done by the time you've thought it. So what is the movement? It's of like, I'm, 
I'm remembering hearing you. Like I'm not yes, actually hearing exactly. you. I'm remembering hearing you. Yeah. 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 Fucking A. There's this moment in Colbert Christmas, which is my favorite <laughs> Christmas thing. I knew you were going to take it there. Right? No. <laughs> and they're talking about whether or not Santa's real. So uh-huh. we're back to the uh-huh. seven-year-old. And I think Colbert snuck in something very mystical mm-hmm. and beautiful. And I'm actually doing a show in a couple of weeks. And if I get to chat to him, I'm going to chat to him about this, um, you know, off camera, which is they talk about Santa being real. And Santa says, I'm as real as you are. Mm. And I was like, did you just sneak like a really heavy thought into (laughs) an hour long comedy central special? Uh, But Santa is as real as you are. mm -hmm. Like you're not asking when I'm just stealing what you said. Like, is God real? Is anything real? Like you really need to be asking yourself how real you are and how mm-hmm. real your thoughts are and, and how real anything is. I talk about it in my special, everything being made of molecules and these are just molecules repelling mm-hmm. each other. And that's like a fucking far out thing. But we take that for granted and then we start studying things when really we should be going back all the way back to anything being anything. It's all, it's all fucking crazy when you think about it. I mean, look at the shape of this sofa is bizarre. Yeah. I mean, everything like these pillows are weird. Like everything about it is just fucking crazy. Yeah. Right? So when you have that experience, you're like, well, what? Like but it's just so weird. this sexuality, actually. Yeah. We like yeah. our reality to be as simple as possible mm-hmm. so we can go back to like meeting our needs. Uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> you know I mean? so and we go, there's some, men and there's, there's women, there's that, dicks and there's you know? pussies. Yeah, and I'm not going to invent a new way to jerk off every time I jerk off. Yeah. Like, I got my way of doing it, and, yeah. like, I'm going to do it most of the times yeah. that way. Yeah. You know, because it, it brings me some pleasure, and it's easy, and it's quick. Right. You know? That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's, I think that's why we don't want to navel-gaze. Even calling it navel-gazing is sort of condescending. But saying, like, everything's made of molecules, and that's fucking crazy. Mm. And we all sort of, as a people, agree, like, yeah... Let's get a sandwich. Right. Well, there's, so there's a certain point. There's a certain point in spiritual development, though, where you can't help but see things differently, and it never goes away. That's right. It's like the sexual awakening. It's, it's like, like the reading. Yeah. It's all of that. It opens up, and you're like, uh, and then it's done. I know. It's done, and it can be tremendously lonely. And then there are many states beyond that as well, where you just really, Dude, it really gets crazy. You really fill the gap in my vocabulary because learning to read and the shift that's there. Uh, is similar to a spirit like spiritual shifts that I've experienced, uh-huh. sexual shifts that I've experienced. But that reading one, I think anyone that can remember that far back uh, can relate to the feeling of what a shift is. Uh-huh. And you're right. Uh, so, what is your general spirituality? So, I am basically a Christian esotericist. I would say. Uh-huh. So, I'm an I'm into the occult, meaning I uh, experience the spiritual. That the reality of a spiritual landscape populated by spiritual beings, mm-hmm. and that spiritual landscape populated by spiritual beings, I experience it mostly as my inner life. So, like, there's a great Grant Morrison comic book where Batman is walking around. There's this like '70s character Grant Morrison resurrected called Batmite. Do you remember Batmite? Batmite. Yeah, he was in like, Batman cartoons when we were kids. Like He's like this floating little imp that has magical powers, right? So Grant <laughs> Morrison, of course, brings him back into the comic, and Batmite, and Batman's like, you know, the thing I never got about you: are you actually from the fifth dimension, or are you just in my, or ninth dimension, or are you just in my imagination? And Batmite says, are, are you stupid? The ninth dimension is your imagination. Wow. Right. So that's that's what Ramdas says about Maharaji. I'm like, do you uh, imagine that you're hanging out with Maharaji, or are you hanging out with? <laughs> 
And he goes, imagining Maharaji as how I yeah, hate right, Maharaji. Right, exactly. And I was like, now I'll be in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, boys. <laughs> that's me and yeah, so that's, so that's, I mean, and you can deceive yourself into thinking you're hanging out with someone and when you're not, when you're quote unquote just imagining it versus when you're actually spending time with somebody. There's a difference yeah, yeah. between those things. So that's my general conception. There's a reality to a, a, a Christ moment in the history of the earth, which is like a super volcano blowing up. It's like, it doesn't matter if you are, you know, in the country where the volcano goes off, it affects the entire planet. Mm. And that doesn't mean the other religions are wrong or that there aren't other pathways to understanding this moment, but it was a moment, you know, and it was a really important one. Um, and that moment was crucifixion, the, resurrection, the entire life and death of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And even before that, do you look at all the like begat, 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 begat in the There's Bible? That's a spell book for the, uh, for the descent and uh, birth of Christ, these constant uh, reincarnations and you know this trajectory of life, you know that whole book is a framing for this event that happened, and oh, even that time of year, you know when there's this solstice and all that, everybody's like, well, it's the birth of Mithras, so we celebrated this before. Well, yeah, it happened at that time for a reason. <laughs> you oh, know? Like, it emerged into this moment that was already filled with meaning and positioning of different cosmic aspects for a reason, you know? Mm. So, I mean, I, there's all that, all that's there for me, but I mean, the basic, the very basic of it is that like the spiritual landscape, spiritual beings, that thoughts are as real as objects, which we talked about before, mm -hmm. that consciousness has evolved through the structure of consciousness itself has evolved over time and that freedom and compassion are really important. Mm. You know, those mm. are, that's, that's it for me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> dude, dude. <laughs> so I talk about the book Four Arguments for the Elimination of Television a lot And they talk about mm. The value of symbols And thoughts And that's what he's sort of arguing about TV One of the interesting things that he says is like Before TV seeing was believing Like if you saw something uh. You could know that it was real And huh, that it huh. happened And now kids just grow up going like I said to He's, he's not my nephew But he's basically like my adopted nephew Um I said, have you ever seen a vampire? Like, I was just making, mm. I like talking to kids weird. You ever see a vampire? You ever see a Viking or whatever? And he's just like, yeah. And he goes, well, on TV. Uh -huh. And I was just like, interesting, but you've never seen one in real life or whatever. It's, it's interesting that they're like, yes, but also no. Uh -huh. <laughs> it used to just be like, yes uh -huh. or no. Like, we just had hard yeses mm. or no's. Anyway, the idea of a mental reality and the images and the thoughts that we carry in our heads mm -hmm. change our reality. It goes back to that, you're, you're writing the book thing. Mm -hmm. I often say, like, we don't have to be super mystical about it, but, like, if you carry a certain thought in your head, it's going to change the way you behave mm -hmm. and the way that even your face looks, and that might totally. change the way that people... So that is, like, a spell that you're doing to yourself. I'm not too familiar with yeah. the occult. What is your relationship there? Yeah, yeah. So my... my um my way of describing the occult is as 
radical phenomenology. So what I mean by that is once you actually pay attention to your experience, things get really fucking weird. <laughs> okay. So like, think about the fact, and this must be absolute torture for you, that you can't ever see your own face, no matter how hard you try, right? You walk through the world thinking that you can see your own face. I talked about this on Duncan's show recently too, but like you walk through the world. Hey man, they, they, don't recycle <laughs> the anecdotes, man. They, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> We're thinking you can see your own face, but even if you look in a mirror, that's not your fucking face. This is that's um, a two-dimensional ecology of light and surface. That's different, you know. Yeah, so like you know, n- you can never apprehend what other people see of you. So if you just want to start there, the world is fucking crazy. Like it's right. really weird, right? So what what I try to say is like. If you start to understand that everything you encounter is part of your consciousness, is part of you, then you have a lot to contend with. And to me, that's a really valuable principle because it's like, how do I see the world now? How do I create politics? How do I create uh, my version of how things work knowing that everything is extending from my consciousness? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> that's the occult. That's the occult. And people have different ways of dealing with the occult, you know. Um, that's not how everybody would define it. That's how I define it, though. But what then? how then do you practically start relating to that idea? Because what you're saying reminds me of the uh, – it's Alan Watts. It's Ram Dass. He's like, yeah. you have – the light of your awareness, right? Yeah, and I, I think so- you reached your round dust quota, but that's ah, no. <laughs> no, not even near Just it. <laughs> We're right at average right now. The idea that you can shine the light of your awareness. I sometimes do this on stage. It didn't make my special, but I would do it in that bit. I would go like, feel your big toe right now. Totally. Just go yeah, feel it. I love that. And, uh, okay, now come back. Uh-huh. But it's in the bit, do you have to pee? Go feel your bladder and yeah, then come back. I do back. have to pee, by the way. Uh, do you have to pee enough Re- that we'll take a break? I, We're also that, we can also be close to being done, but you can also take a break. Let me pee. Will it end? Yeah. Will it, will it All mess up your was, flow? <laughs> when does that spotlight yeah. of your awareness shine on itself? Mm-hmm. That's where we'll come back when okay, we're okay. done peeing. I'm eating a cookie and you've peed. <laughs> you really want for the cookie? Finally, do you want some? <laughs> no, that's okay. Thank eat you. it. No, I want. That, what is this? Flowers in the attic? I want to watch you eat it. Hilarious. <laughs> do you watch your own porn? Hmm. I have. I would. It's so fun because oh, it's yeah. like a weird masturbation experience of memory meets yeah. being turned on. Yeah. But do you go like that's where we cut because I lost my erection? <laughs> no, I'm not really. I mean, with I was those m- moments in porn where it's like, oh, it's so clear. Yeah. That that was where the cum shot was supposed to be. <laughs> But then there's a weird jump cut and the light is different. Uh-huh. <laughs> like what happened? Uh, no, something I something happened. I don't. I try and, uh, the porn that I would rewatch. I wouldn't do that, but I used to watch it for technique early on. What do you mean like technique? I would, well, I'd watch it and I'd be like, "How can I be a better performer?" Really? Like I want, yeah, for sure, yeah. Like, like am I saying the same thing too much over oh, and over again? Literally, yeah. Mom, mom, mom. You know, you got to stop that sooner or later. <laughs> no, am I saying the same thing again, and again, or am I? You know, do I need to? Uh, you know, m- make sure I'm not looking at the camera as much, or you right. know, whatever it is. Yeah fascinating (laughs) and was your experience like did you get paid like the butterfly effect were you did you feel like it was kind of fair so the sort of height of my porn career i started in 2007 and i went to basically 
I, well, I made one porn last year, but it, I haven't done that much. It's mostly like sex worker rights activism now. It's how I'm still sort of connected there. I would do porn. I'm not retired. But the the sort of height of that, there was a different prin- economic principle going on than there is now. I mean, people are still selling tons of DVDs and, right. you know, that kind of stuff. So, so it's you just a lot different of, now. Not to turn your back on your porn brethren. Yeah. But you did sort of get out before things got weird. Yeah, it was starting to get kind of shitty. Is that what, one of the reasons you were like, I should diversify? No, I just wanted to spend time on other stuff. Yeah. And I want to eat donuts. You know what I mean? Is that <laughs> like, right? Yeah, I had a six pack and I was just, you know, Is it was that just like very... a, even worse in stereotype? Let's ring the stereotype bell, but do gay men have more of a premium on being in super great shape? Yeah, for if you want to work for certain studios. And that's definitely what I wanted was to work for these big studios that before I was in porn, I was like, oh my gosh, Falcon and Hothouse and Raging Stallion and all these like studios that I, you know, had performers that I was like obsessed with. And right. so, um, you know, I had to get into a certain kind of shape. And it's also, you know, like you just have a little more, I think, longevity if you have a certain kind of body and if you stand out in a certain way you know interesting yeah hmm. <laughs> <laughs> i'm clearly running out of steam because i'm like huh. yeah well the cookie really i think knocked you down well now the blood's in my stomach <laughs> so i am done so you're talking about your big toe i think that was the feeling last your big toe and when yeah. is the light so if we can if we can agree that we have a thing of consciousness that has a point uh-huh. and we can send it to our bladders or to our big toe or you know the common exercise of like look at this the air between us yeah you know like don't look at me look at a point of air that's between us uh-huh. these are all just exercises in pointing the flashlight of your awareness but when does the flashlight shine on itself and uh-huh. that's basically the whole idea of meditation or contemplation or right yeah and it can't it, in some ways it can't seeing your own face in some ways it can't right like cannot yeah right it, i mean like, it's it's almost like the exercise of doing it is as close as you can get to doing it yeah but i do think that you can think about you you can think thinking i think that that's again it's kind of what i was referring to before with emotion of it yeah. which is different than turning thinking into an object again like where am I in my toe? Where am I in my this? Where am I in my that? And right. so the occult is a system of development. For it, Well, it finds itself in different systems of development that have a lot to do with inner exercises, meditations, all that kind of stuff. And sometimes you end up engaging with spiritual beings and it's really – it's a, just like a big astral mess. astral stuff? <laughs> well, like n- angels and, and, uh, and other world – like otherworldly beings and You've stuff. You've had that experience? Um, yeah, I have. <laughs> How did you do it? What were you doing? Um, you know, a lot of times they happen sort of unbidden, you know, like unbidden. Things, you yeah. are in the occult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> unbidden. Uh, yeah. It's not, that sounded very like, no, I love it. Are you that? kidding? When I became a fifth level paladin, <laughs> I was visited by Dormor. Unbidden. Um, yeah. Uh, so that means you're in your car. Where are you when you see? Yeah. Well, um, like, it's funny because as open as I am about sex and my body and all that kind of stuff, these kinds of experiences are far more intimate. I mean, they're just so like intensely intimate. And also it's it's difficult talking to people without having to be like, you fucking crazy asshole, you know? Right. And, and so, 
I don't like isolating people when I, you know, or, or, or you creating don't want them distance. to throw the baby out with the bathwater because you see angels. Yeah. And I don't want them to have like, and I don't expect them to understand. That's the thing. It's actually kind of like, I'm trying to be compassionate and like, yeah, you're going to think this is crazy. If, if you and I had started the conversation on that foot and like did the entire episode yeah. about it, I feel like we could give a full picture. I understand. But, but let me just give a quick summary, which is like, yeah, sometimes it would just, shit would just a- appear. And I talked to someone who was involved in the occult for a really long time. And I was like, for, for like tw- 25 years or something. And I was like, Hey, what's going on? He's like, you know, this doesn't usually happen to like individuals. It happens to people that are doing group work mm. and it's just happening to, and for you somehow. And I, of course thought it was crazy. Substantial if groups are doing it, if you and I saw the same apparition, that yeah. would be way more. Well, we would be more, we'd feel more grounded in that experience. Sure. Right. But I it thought also it was like from a scientific model, I see, we yeah. would say, I saw a woman with blue hair. Yeah. And you would be like, I too saw. In fact, when I was in church, the way they told me not to take psychedelics was they were like, I don't know. Sometimes people take them and they both see the same thing. And I was like, that's how they told you not to. They were saying like, because that would make you want to do one. Portals. Oh, I see. You're playing with fire. Yeah. It's basically the movie Flatliner. It's like, you don't want (laughs) to, you don't want to open a door because something might come in. Yeah. It's like one of the fears I had when I was really into astral projection. I never Mm. did it, but I was like, what if I leave my body and something else comes in? Yeah. But uh, and that the, that happens when people get drunk or what I mean spirits. Happen, yeah it happens a drinking lot drinking spirits uh, yes keep going no I mean it's, <laughs> it, it happens it happens in it happens in everyday experiences I mean who the fuck needs the Ouija board you know tell me everything well that's the I mean that's the when when you when you have a bad feeling for instance think about how easy it is for that bad feeling to get put on repeat mm-hmm. like you had some bad experience or something or, or you're, you're worried about something so you're worried about like oh uh so and so that i love is going to get in a car accident holy shit i think a car accident? oh fuck 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 yeah, and then yeah. you just keep thinking about it that's something slipping in that's something attaching to you oh, so you got to shake it off you know um that's the best thing you can do it's almost like cognitive behavioral therapy but with a recognition of the spiritual dimension of it it's like no fuck fuck you you know you don't even have to say fuck you because then you're already in engagement with it because you're pushing it you're just like nope and that's it and you just move on that's why i find putting something better in yes is a better way than that's resist the next it. step yeah because that's something that i so literally last night i was having like a real hmm. i was feeling the beginnings of an anxiety spiral hmm. I, I haven't been able to sleep lately i don't know what it is i've been waking up around what if I say some bewitching error? <laughs> and to the like, sound of a baby crying. Uh, and I don't know, know where that's coming from. Water dripping. <laughs> and the cackle of an old woman. It's not that weird, you guys. But I, I'll get up and sometimes in the middle of the night, your defenses are down. What do, you, what do we mean by our defenses? I mean, mm. we could talk about that for four hours. Right. But who I think I am and, and the reality. You ever been on mushrooms and had to tell yourself, I am a citizen of this earth and I belong oh, here? Totally. <laughs> I had I had a friend that I, I would call. It's like an emergency call, and so his, my, my mushroom safe word was basketball. And so like I could call me be like basketball, and I imagine the thing hitting the ground. I'd be like, okay, I'm fine now. Hit a basketball hitting the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Wait, that like, would work. Oh yeah, it was like a safe word. It was like just when I was freaking out, he'd be like basketball, and I'd be like, oh okay, uh, yeah. That, why would that work? I don't know. Maybe because I hate sports, and I think that it's just like yeah. But I mean, like if you're having such an overwhelming experience, the idea that a safe word could like snap you out of it is pretty cool. It didn't snap me out. It just kept me like tethered. You know, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, that's me saying I am a citizen of exactly. Yeah, that's what I I was related to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, your defenses are down. 
and whatever that means. Yeah. But then, like, instead of, I'm not going to say his name, but it is a Buddhist idea that a teacher I know <laughs> taught me that pushing against. We used to go to Studs Theater in LA. <laughs> <laughs> pushing against something, uh, it also has you. If you think of it like a big boulder, you put your hands on it and you push it away, and now you are engaged with it, yes, even totally. though it's that's me and sex. I mean, that was uh-huh. growing up. I was like, get out of here, <laughs> and it had me more than anything, more than any come over here, whatever. It, it uh-huh. was way. More intense, probably. So anyway, I'm having that spiral, and that's when I just go into that Eckhart Tolle place of like, none of this mm-hmm. is of real interest to who you really are. Mm-hmm. And that's that's my way of getting the thing we're saying that mm-hmm. wants to possess right. me or take me over away from me by going like, that's that's a narrative of my mind, and I don't care about any of that, and moving into greener pastures. Right. Creating I, my own peace. Yeah. And I think that the meditation component for that is like the more you meditate, the easier it is for you to do something like that. Or the right. more you contemplate, the easier it is for you to sort of put that sort of third thing. I completely thing there. agree. Yeah. I, it's from my book, but I used to ask for peace. And then you now in my life, you learn techniques to manufacture it. Uh-huh. To wake up to the peace that's already in you uh-huh. is really what's yeah. happening. Yeah. Is it, but I used to ask for it, and that's very disempowered. I used to beg God to give me peace when really it was just a sidestep. It wasn't forward or backwards. It was going, I'm going to take a step off the game board. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pick up the little dog off the Monopoly thing and put it on the sofa because it yeah. looks so funny. That's how our politics should work, I think. Tell it's me. like, well, when you're, it's like my politics, I try, I, I think of them as revolving around like the Bugs, old Bugs Bunny cartoons where like Bugs Bunny is being chased down the street by some thugs or whatever. And mm. you remember those like stereotypically sure. Italian ones? Of <laughs> like, yeah. Is this so, race? Yeah. Right. <laughs> hey, get that bug. <laughs> my name's Bugs too. Is that a rabbit or a giant? Yeah. yeah. So then, like, they chasing him, and then he's running down the alley, and there's a brick wall, and he just pulls out a piece of chalk and draws the That's door right. and walks through the door. Yeah. Right. Like, the, the, our political movement can't be about, and our po- politics, they can't truly be about resistance because that's a complete investment in the system that we're resisting, and we'll that's always right. seek to reproduce. So, this French psychoanalyst philosopher Jacques Lacan, who again I keep mentioning Peter, so maybe he's secretly a spiritual teacher and not just my old roommate. Um, but he, but people came to him in 1968 because he was a very prominent figure in France, and they said, "You know, there are all these student revolts. What should we do? Tell us what you think." And Lacan said, um, "Well, you say you're revolutionaries, but you don't really want revolution. What you want is new masters." And so that's really interesting, right? And so that's picking the piece off the board. Yes, well, that because those people he was saying are engaged in a process of struggle that they're so bound to that they wouldn't even know who they were if they weren't struggling. That's right. So what they want is to keep recreating the conditions of their struggle. And so we were just saying that that's Democrat Republican. As soon as you create two parties totally. to fight with each other. Then we go like, that's the engine. That's like what creates the combustion that keeps the whole thing running when really opting out of it or creating new masters is what you're saying, is, is real revolution. No, no, you don't want to create new masters. No new masters. You don't want masters at all. Okay. That's yeah, the thing. Is it's a like, bad word. Yeah. You want, you want to remove yourself from the, from the realm of power. Like you want – that's a Christian lesson too. Christ, I turn the other cheek. I'm removing myself from this conflict. You may do what you please to me, but I've decided not to engage in the conflict with you. Mm. You know, And by doing 
doing that, I create a completely new set of options. That's me every time I'm preparing for my parents to visit or I'm visiting my parents. (laughs) I just go like, I shall be a gray stone. (laughs) I am like water. Nothing they say can change or affect my inner world without my consent. And then five minutes in, I'm like, shut up! <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to... Um, you were a kid too? I was. It was, it was difficult. I, um, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I remember walking into my mom's and dad's bedroom, and I had stuffed all these like books down my pants and, and my, in my shirt, and I said, I didn't clean my room. Spank me. So they would hit me and hurt their hand. <laughs> so oh, I had this idea of turn the other cheek was God. a butt cheek, but it was like where they would that is such kid where logic. they would hurt. Yes, totally. Where they would like hurt themselves by hitting me. So that's not really the Christian lesson, but I tried it out. That's really funny though. <laughs> I love that. I don't think I'll forget that. And when we die, you're open to the possibility of something else happening other than just lights out. Oh, that, I mean, there's no there's no question for me anymore. I mean, that is something that I've experienced that I've talked about a bit. Are dead people uh, appearing? Um, and so you didn't visit. Can I say just to normalize what you're saying? Yeah, Ramnas. Uh huh. Ding dong. Uh, um, well, what about you though? What about me? What about you? I only quote Ramnas. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can get into me. I, I'm just saying that someone that I loved so deeply, obviously. Yes. Quote when I say death is um, taking off a tight shoe, uh-huh. I'm quoting Ramdas. Quoting, um, oh, I've been smoking too much pot lately. I'm forgetting his name. Cinderella. <laughs> no, quoting a disembodied being uh-huh. who used to speak to uh-huh. him through a woman named Pat Rodigas. I remember her name. Um, so anyway, he used to talk to a woman that would talk to spirits all the time. So what uh-huh. you're saying, I'm just trying to say. I don't think you're weird. <laughs> right. Well, I don't think – I mean people talk to the dead all the time, right? They always talk – they talk to their dead relatives. Whether they think in their life. Yeah. I mean whether or not they think that like the dead relatives are hearing them or whatever, they still talk to well, their dead relatives. Well, my Uncle Larry passed away and he loved the show Crashing and we – in the first episode, I named the bar Uncle Larry's Pub. Uh-huh. So what am I doing? Certainly I think his widow will enjoy that and I texted it to her and all that sort of stuff. Uh-huh. But there definitely is part of me that's like – Somewhere Uncle Larry-ness is going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you experience that people tend to have that. But don't – aren't there people listening certainly that are just like, well, that's just like medieval wishful thinking of just like, <laughs> they're still with us. You're saying – Yeah. Forget the listeners. That would help me that you're saying you've been visited by dead people? Yeah. So I the, – the, most profoundly, I had Forget chronic – um, chronic depression my entire life and suicidal, chronic suicidal depression. I mean, so there were times where I'd go like three days and I'd want to kill myself like every three days. Like it was horrible. Whoa. Whoa. And it was like being in constant pain for decades. And, um, oh my God, sorry. And then, yeah. And then, um, this woman who was like, so my mom died when I was 24. That's its own dead person appearance story. But this woman who is my, uh, intellectual mentor, this woman, Lynn Margulies. Do you know who she is? Mm-mm. So she she co-created this thing called the Gaia Theory with this guy, James Lovelock, that the Earth regulates like a self, is regulates like an organism. She proved that cells that have nuclei are symbioses of different types of organisms, particularly bacteria. She's married to Carl Sagan, so that's the thing that everybody says. Uh, oh, fun. <laughs> yeah. So cells so, mimic the beha- behavior of organisms. No, no. The, the Earth mimics the behavior of an organism, essentially. Not mimics, but it is... And that cells 
like the mitochondria in our cells have bacterial or- origins. So like that's a symbiotic merger. And she also came up with a whole theory of evolution based around symbiosis rather than natural selection meets random genetic mutation. Mm. So I went to grad school for organismic and evolutionary biology, among other things. So <laughs> anyway, we didn't get into any of that. But um, but when she died... Do you watch your own porn? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I, you know what's freaking me out is like, I'm realizing right now that I laugh a little bit like you. And like, yeah, there's like it. an extended... I knew there was ah, something I liked about yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, so... So anyway, when she died, um, she died of a stroke, and in my meditative space, she started appearing to me. And it was not an imagined thing. Like, it was intense. And I was doing certain rituals from Rudolf Steiner and the occult to keep in touch with the dead at that point. Mm. And uh, there was no sense of loss or grief. I mean, there was a grieving period. I cried, but it was not like this devastating thing and she started to appear and then my depression went away really that no medication could touch no therapy could touch nothing i ever did like ever did anything to come close to getting rid of that Hmm. depression and suddenly went away and then i found out that lots of people who have spontaneous remission if you could almost call it that of depression have encountered the presence of a dead person and then it goes away really it's really fascinating yeah almost like they were helping take it away is that the feeling or is it the experience just organically took it away yeah that the presence of the dead is a healing experience oh wow yeah and and if we could get it in a pill I know. <laughs> to kill someone you know <laughs> no problem <laughs> so so there's that and then yeah i mean so i think that i think that the presence of the dead has a healing effect for everybody whether they believe that the dead exist or not after they die because you know talking to your dead relative you know if you don't think they're there this thing you did with uncle larry which might by the way be uncle larry's way of saying haha by having you do that by sort of gently urging you into doing that you know so he can stay in your life yeah. As a, a, permanently and that i would tell his wife that i did it you yeah know what i mean it's like this fun little exactly yeah. so i think that there are all these ways in which the dead so yes i do believe there's a life between this life and the next one so it's not just you die and then you're reborn into a new body there's a whole other experience that happens and then you are reborn again and i've experienced the, the like reality of other beings that are going through that. So I can't, I don't have the sort of like, it's not intellectual for me anymore, you know? Interesting. Yeah. You were converted. Yes. Yeah. And, and by the way, anybody that's listening to this and doesn't know anything about me, please think that I'm completely fucking crazy and like what off the rails or whatever. That doesn't, it's like, I don't want people to just believe me. It's fine. You know, but if, if they want to start sort of thinking about these things and considering them for themselves instead of just buying a parroted line, whether it's from the church or the anti-church, you know what I mean? Any any sort of like flow, I just like consider them and see what happens in right. you inwardly if you well, consider what, it. What is that? Well, maybe that's that's probably jumping to level three when we should be at level one. If you're doing <laughs> ceremonies to keep you in touch with the dead, what it, if people are interested in that? <laughs> yeah. What is a, where would they start? There's a book called Reverse. Oh, should not no, I shouldn't do that one. Uh, reverse Osmosis. Yeah. <laughs> it's called it's... Reverse Cowgirl. <laughs> <laughs> Never been a fan. Never liked it. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, that's no, not. I, I thought you were going to go on with it, but um, uh, there's a book called uh, I think it's called Staying Connected, which is a lot of Rudolf Steiner's lectures on the dead and it's edited by a guy named Christopher Bamford and that's something that you can just look into. Unfortunately Rudolf Steiner is very, very difficult to just get into because um, the language is very complicated. It's like reading Shakespeare for the first time. You're like, huh? Yeah. And then once you get it, you get it and you're like, oh, I'm in the story and I understand everything that's happening but right. it takes a long time to be able to get that. Yeah. So the lead up to that book is a book called Start Now which is a bunch of exercises that you can just do. You know, I think that that's a really good Oh, interesting. Start. Yeah. Like A Course in Miracles? <laughs> it's there is not... a very practical part of Course in Miracles. I think I think there's a lot of cool stuff about that, although I also think it was probably invented by the CIA, but that's a whole other... Like... Really? Yeah, there was a lot of CIA religion invention and like cultural interventions, and they helped create literary magazines. I don't know if you know about all of this. It's like the, they pretty... did? Yeah, it's really Like crazy. The New Yorker? Not The New Yorker. Um I don't know if it's scientific. I'm going to say, say <laughs> Granta, but that's really horrible because if yeah. I'm wrong, then people are going to think that this. That's not a literary. Magazine. And they're they're, they're right. disentangled. Whatever the literary magazine is, is now right. disentangled from the CIA. But yeah, they they had all these cultural projects to inspire kind of anti or counter communist program. So they were trying out starting new religions, trying out starting stimulate. And this is all public. I'm not being conspiratorial. These are well. The Course in Miracles thing is me being speculative, but the, a lot of this is just public record. So the f- this is just fun. The idea <laughs> would be the CIA is doing experiments trying to see if they can influence the religious discussion so they maybe create A Course in Miracles. Yeah, so they can create – so they can stir up a sort of a new American religious renaissance that gives people a sense of natural ident- – or national identity that like is resistant to especially the anti-religious Soviet Union, you know. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> that doesn't mean that A Course in Miracles isn't good, by the way, either. Right. Things aren't good or bad just because we create them. You right. Know? That's such a dumb. <laughs> yeah, but when you have, for, I don't know much about A Course in Miracles, but when you have a woman who hears the voice of Jesus, uh-huh. there is sort of like a, it's going with the flow. She didn't hear the voice of Krishna. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. So it is sort of like Western leaning. Yeah, right. Yeah, like if right, you're going to exactly. make it up. Yeah, she, it's like I say about Mormonism, no, no, no offense <laughs> to our Latter day Saints, but I was like, if you're going to make up a religion, I would want you to become a god and have a planet and have sex with, uh-huh. you know, as many and unpopulate the planet. Yeah, what's that one? There was one revelation to Joseph Smith from the angel. What is the name? Moroni. Yeah, Moroni. Moroni, who like. <laughs> What it was Maroney like? Maroni is who Bugs Bunny was running from. <laughs> yeah, right. It's a Maroni. Hey, Maroni, I got my Maroni. <laughs> Whoa. So Maroni. So Maroni like had this revelation to Joseph Smith that was something like, <laughs> like have you you know like you may have as many wives as you want, and your wife must stop nagging. Like it was like directed no, at her. Oh, that yeah. is good. But I mean, I feel like. I feel like your was. wife must stop nagging. <laughs> Maroon, I said. Yeah, that's exactly what it that's was like. Fun. It's in that. Um, what's the guy's name? Is it John Krakauer or whatever book about uh, Mormonism? It's really great. Oh, but really? He's the guy who wrote Into the Wild and uh-huh. all that. But um, I mean, I think Mormonism is like a really beautiful religion that went through a really distorted lens of this guy Joseph Smith, who had like a huge. Ego, like I think that there was real revelation and beautiful stuff there. It just it went just, through an ego. Yeah, in a way that 
you know, the, the occult lesson is for every three steps, for every step of occult knowledge you gain, take three steps to refining your personality. So like it's oh, someone wow. who's not refining their personality, you know, I hate to say him, but there's a Ramdas. Yeah. Here, here, here comes Ramdas. He talks about here people, comes Ramdas. people that have revel. Is that, it, that's a sexual thing that you say. Here comes here Ramdas. Ramdas. Be here now. <laughs> it's actually in be here now. He talks about people that, uh, achieve, the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, enlightenment, whatever you want to say, but they bring their egos with them. Mm -hmm. And they're like, it's very funny, actually. It's like, far out. Me, Pete Holmes is enlightened. (laughs) And that's where you get psychosis. That's where you get insanity. Like You need to leave it behind. It's supposed to burn up in the journey, almost Uh like in the atmosphere. You're supposed to dissolve. And then you're nobody when you're there. But you can't be like, look at me at the right hand of God. Like, that's where crazy people come. Yeah. And, you know, like I resist this word supposed to or should or whatever, because as he says, you know, we've got a lot of lifetimes and you get to do what you want with this one too, you know? And you're doing what you're going to do. Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, you're doing what you're going to do. Yeah. And you're exactly where you're supposed to be. And that's true. And that's that. And that's that. (laughs) Can you, uh, well, the beautiful stuff, free podcast. Um, (laughs) What is the the hardest time you've laughed? Do you know? Oh, the hardest time I've laughed. The time you've laughed the hardest. Um, To take pressure off of you, though. Yes. This seems like a hard question for people to answer. It is a hard question to answer. Sometimes people, some of the more clever guests turn it back on me and I'm always troubled at <laughs> how hard it is to think of a new one. I have my stock answers, yeah. but like Val and I sure do laugh. I'd, I'd get Val in here and she could answer for me. Like I said, I've been smoking a lot of pot and that's been making me laugh <laughs> so hard. I was so stressed. I was working on all these different things and I've been doing very little. Yeah. I've been playing Red Dead Redemption and smoking pot. Yeah. It's been pretty therapeutic and nice. I do have to stop doing it though. I'm starting to feel cobwebby. Is the pot laughing you? Is that the problem? OMG. Uh... But uh, usually a fart is involved or <laughs> or not being allowed to laugh mm, is involved. Oh, that's a good one. There yeah. have to be porn set ones. I mean, like porn yeah. bloopers. Yeah, those are those are fun. But a lot of times you're physically exhausted. So it's just like yeah. it, it, no matter it's how. It's like m- track bloopers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Or like those skate videos where people fall right. yeah, on their nuts. Needs it. But um, maybe you were a kid. Yeah. So one thing I do remember um, is – my mom once made this face and it was this, it was like, I don't know how to explain it. She could never see. Right. Exactly. (laughs) It was this face that was like, like if you imagine like a goat that was so horribly ugly that it would like, it could scare you to death. That's the face my mom made. She contorted her face in this bizarre way. And my sister and I started laughing and we were laughing so hard, and she just held the face. Oh she did God. not move. She did not laugh. And we, we were just like laughing so hard, and she wouldn't stop. So she's sustaining this for like three minutes. Oh and we're like God. crying, and my sister's like, I can't breathe. And my mom said, again, somehow without moving her lips, she went, that's part of it. <laughs> and then we all started like laughing harder, harder and harder. So that, that's a time I remember. <laughs> that's one of the greatest like, ones She was like trying to kill us with this look. That's part of it. <laughs> 
Wow. Well, what a joy. What is the name of your podcast? It's called Against Everyone with Connor Abib. Against Everyone. Yeah, that's right. I love it. Yeah. And um, anything else you want to plug? I mean, you're such a delight. Oh, thank you. Well, I have a Patreon, and that's my only regular paycheck. Yeah, so it's patreon.com forward slash Connor Abib. That's wonderful. So yeah. if you enjoyed this podcast, it is free, but support artists. Yeah. And that's a wonderful way to, to support Thank you. Wonderful thoughts. And yeah, wonderful and my, my podcast is free too, but that's what supports it and it makes a huge, huge, huge difference in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's small, right? I mean, if you do a recurring small, those add up. I saw the thing I'm like, try to convince people. Like, I have a lot of Twitter followers and I'm like, you know, if you just gave a dollar a month, if all of you did, it would utterly change my life and I would actually yeah. probably be rich. Like, if you all did that, like, yeah. it would be insane. But you can't. But, like, people are just like, oh, but I want to give a dollar. Wait till I can give 20 a month. I'm like, no, motherfucker, give a dollar. It makes a huge difference, and yeah, I love you yeah, for yeah, doing yeah, it. Yeah. You know? Um, so do it all. So do it all. Yeah, if everybody listening to this, <laughs> at this point. Yes. All the way to the end. You'd make $18. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. People, people listen to the end. Um, well, thank you so much, Connor. You, you were a delight. I'm so glad you came. Thank and, you. And uh, would you say... Keep it crispy. I might Jessel knock you on this one. No, I'm just not kidding. Do it? Oh my god, that's so funny. <laughs> Is he the only one that didn't do it? No, Chelsea didn't say it. Chelsea Peretti. Peretti. Uh, no, sure. I'm I'm happy to do it. And I thought about it beforehand, and I realized I should just say keep it crispy. <laughs> <laughs> you baked it into your consent. Thank you so much, man.